Welcome to episode 12 of By the Numbers here on CKCC Radio. Matt Jovine here with you for another episode of the show where I interview wrestlers about their matches that I've refed and the stories behind them out of the books that I've kept of my entire career. Joining me this week, a man who's been known by many names, Punisher Vance Lake, Punisher Big Brute, but now Brute Vance Lake. Brute, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to finally be here. Yeah, but thanks for joining. And we have a lot to discuss. Um, I, I sent Brute the list the other day, and he's like, wow, you refed this many of my matches? So, so there's quite a bit here. Before we get to that, go ahead and introduce yourself for the listening audience who may not know you. Uh, well, if you don't know me, uh, I've been a professional wrestler for uh, just became 11 years uh, with an asterisk on it because this last year has been kind of lousy. Uh, I was from central New York, born and raised in Oneida, trained with the Institute of Professional Wrestling in Syracuse, made my debut and cut my teeth in square silk row wrestling. Uh, where I became the only three-time tag team champion with my hetero liftmate, Kevin the Man Graham. Uh, since then, I've, you know, toured Canada, the Northeast, down South, New England. Uh, I have a tour of Japan under my belt and, uh, sprinkles here and there with Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, and some others. And, um, I really like steak. <laughs> he, he does. I've I I heard that once or twice, like 26 <laughs> times from you. <laughs> I made a career out of it. It's my gimmick. Before it was your gimmick, though, mm-hmm. you were Punisher Vance like. And as we get started, one yes. note about some of these matches, especially the later GSW matches. If you go to independentwrestling.tv, <laughs> you can see a number of matches involving Brute Vance like, mostly from GSW. Um, also, from their early events from the GSW Arena. And if you are a new subscriber for IWTV, use the code word NUMBERS and get your first five days for free. But before IWTV was a twinkle in Jerry's eye, we kicked this off in 2011, May 13th, 2011. It was the first night we ever worked together. Um, first time I met you, I believe. We're at Grand, uh, Garden State Wrestling before it became Grand Slam at the college in Newton, New Jersey. Uh-huh. Yes. What was supposed to just be against Mark Krieger also winds up including Steve Off in match 498 in the book. Jeez. Oh, uh, <laughs> so that one was uh, that one was messy for a couple of reasons. Um, was this the Friday the 13th event? Yes, it was. Okay, because I remember that being cursed because I had my incident, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, Steve Cruz had his where he bashed his forehead on the ring post, <laughs> his head open, and I think Kevin Graham had one, but it escapes me because I think he wrestled uh, zero on that show. If I'm remembering the right one, but I remember something happening with him. But yeah, so it was supposed to be a triple threat match: myself, uh, Mark Krieger, and Steve Off. Uh, we get there, and Steve Off is nowhere to be found. He wasn't showing up, so they're like, "You guys have a singles match." We're doing our thing. We're in Gorilla. We're waiting to go out after this match is finished. And then Joey Image comes up, and in the most dickish Booker Man voice I've ever heard out of him, he just goes, Steve Voss here. He's back in her match. Figure it out and walks away. (laughs) We're like, we're on next. He goes, "Uh we'll put a match on before you, and then you're on. Figure it out. And we're like, cool. (laughs) 
I also think, if it's not the first, it was definitely one of the earlier ones, where GSW got the boxing ring. Yes. Yeah, and if it had to have been my first time in it at the very least, and what was it, an old Johnny Rods ring? Yes, it was. So it was like a boxing ring, barely converted into a wrestling ring, which I'll probably mention this ring in every GSW story ever because it, it always plays a key in it. But it had legit wrestling ropes that were loose as hell because it was a boxing ring originally. And I can't really remember what the spot was, but I was doing something with Krieger in the ring. I went to go hit the ropes. I tripped over a lump in the mat, and I started falling towards the middle rope. And my plan was to just Rey Mysterio it and bounce off the rope. But the rope gave under my fat ass, and I looped my arm, spun around, and landed on my ass right on the outside of the ring. And probably was one of the scariest moments up until that point in my career. And when we were talking last week, you reminded me that you had fallen out of the ring in this match. And I had forgotten about this, but I don't know how I forgot about this. Because it was, for one, near death. But two, also absolutely hilarious. Yeah, because when I went towards the rope, because my giant head was leading the way, I was going head first out of the ring. And because GSW is in New Jersey, we're in a basketball court with no damn floor mats. So it was just my head heading towards the ground. And I remember everybody asking me if I meant to do that. And I remember a lot of people saying they, like, flipped their shit because they thought I was about to die. And I always credit this as the only reason why I didn't bust my head open is because where I trained in Syracuse, every night at the end of every practice, we did the rope drill. And we would run the rope. We would go out of the ring over the top, over uh, through the middle forwards, through the middle backwards, over the top forward, over the top backwards. And going out through the ropes backwards, hooking my arm and bouncing off the apron was so engraved into my head that as soon as I hit that rope, I hooked it with my arm, which spun my ass around, and I landed on my ass instead of my head. And having hit the ropes a couple times myself and had, having them break, it is scary as shit. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, terrifying. And I remember uh, because I was, it was still early on in my career, and I'm used to two CW crowds, and I haven't been in GSW very much. So I knew that if I was in 2CW, I was about to get a You Fucked Up chant, and I was pissed. <laughs> so <laughs> instead of doing the right thing and being like, oh, God, that hurt, I need to lay here and recover, I shot up. Like, nothing happened. Like, I didn't just bust my tailbone on the floor. I walked around to the other side of the ring, waited for Krieger to bump Steve, got in the ring, and just clotheslined him as hard as I could. And I was like, okay, we're back. <laughs> it's like when you're a kid and you're out riding your bike and you fall off your bike, and the first thing you do is look around to see if anyone yeah. saw you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, like, if anybody saw you, if the neighbor's outside watering his lawn, you're just getting up and riding away before you start crying. That that was me. I'm like, nope, I'm good. Didn't never happen. <laughs> I'm strong. I'm tough. And, and that is why you're taught to hook onto the ropes. Yes. So that when, when, not if, but when that unfortunate moment comes that you need to be holding onto the ropes, you are. Yep. And that rope drill saved my ass a second time in 2CW, but the other way going out forward, because when I was wrestling Billy Gunn, he was so pissed off 
that he grabbed me and he threw me out of the ring as hard as he could, so hard that I didn't have time to grasp myself, and I had to, like, in midair, plant my arm on the ring apron to take the pump to the outside, or else he was just going to, like, throw me into the second row. So, well, good that you saved yourself is. there. That's right, proper training. Uh, props to Springate for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Straight out of the Kowalski book, Daddy. So, we move the show along, the GSW show, to Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Still Garden State Wrestling, but doing a show in Pennsylvania. This show was ill-fated for so many reasons. It was on March 10th, 2012. This is a tag team match to determine who advances in the singles adrenaline tournament. Uh, 571 in the book, you and Kevin Graham against uh, Cage and Shankar, Team CK. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> what I remember the most about this, that, like, out of everything that happened, what I was most, like, pissed off about was this show was, like, a two-hour longer drive than mo- most GSW shows. Like, this one was, like, a lot farther. That's what I remember about it. I was like, man, we got, like, a seven-hour drive home. This sucks. So, <laughs> uh I've heard different reasonings of why the event happened the way it did. Um, again, Mr. Joey Image, I think, pretty sure he's the one who told me that um, the event was flyered for a later time, and then the firehouse or fire hall, whatever, changed the event so I had to move up like two hours, and nobody updated the flyers, so all the fans showed up when the show was over. Like, yep. That's the that's a, okay. That's the story I heard. That, that so, that's accurate. Okay, so we get there. And, um, by this point, ah, I don't know if Carr and Cage and I and Graham have been married at this point. I'm sure we have wrestled each other a few times at least. Uh, but this is probably like early on in our epic saga of matches across the Northeast. But, uh, your best of so 75. Get... <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so I remember right before it started, uh, Johnny tells us there's a problem with his audio equipment and he could only play one song for the entire night. So, um, we go out there, we got some generic wrestling song. We were the first people out that night. So technically everyone came out to Miami Kevin Graham song. They stole our song <laughs> all night. We're the first ones to use it. We come out. There's three, maybe four people in the crowd and we walk around. Kevin and I, again, we're still new. We don't know what the hell to do. We get in the ring. I look up, and I go, dude, there's a chandelier right in the middle of the ring. I was <laughs> like, I'm going to hit this thing. And Kevin Graham goes, yep, no suplexes, because I love doing my suplexes. And <laughs> so we're in the ring, in the corner, waiting for Car and Cage to come out. So I'm looking around, being like, this is this is wrestling. This is what happens. You roll the punches. You make the best of it, you learn from it, and you have a story to tell all your friends. And I look over to my right, and I'll never forget this. I see two people sitting in, like, the third row. There's one guy just sitting there looking like he's bored as hell, sitting next to some guy who fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I elbow Kevin. I go, dude, that motherfucker's sleeping. (laughs) And then then, um, we just kind of had the match. I... I don't really remember like anything like grand about the match. I'm sure we kept it simple because 
There was nobody there. We told the story. We did our thing. Yeah, I don't really remember, like, anything major happening there. Um, I do remember later that night uh, the Jason Gotti incident, um, which just confused me. <laughs> and then Johnny just – because Johnny, Johnny was already pissed at that point between the attendance, the fire hall, the music, the, the, the chandelier. Like, he was already pissed. And then Gotti comes out and acts like he's goddamn Shane Douglas throwing the belt down and walking out. And we're just in the back just being, like, awesome. And then the other thing I remember about that night was uh, Loca Vita was on the show, uh, wrestling El Oreo, and he found a plank of wood in the locker room, and he decided he was going to have Hacksaw Jim Duggan's match, like spot for spot, the match that Hacksaw Jim Duggan does. I do remember that. So let's also yes. talk about Loca Vita from that day for a moment, because <laughs> this was the day that I got clued in on the Loca Vita gimmick. So, Loca Vita, who, uh, we, we can say this here, it's, it's your manager. Yep. Father, Father so, Derek. He would come to the shows in his mask, only speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The point, people really believed he did not speak English. So, yep. oh, this is my first day as co-booker with Decker in GSW. <laughs> so, so, so me and Decker are now the co-bookers of the company. Decker's not there. So I'm handling everything myself. That's probably a good to, thing. I get to tell Jason Gotti that he is not wrestling just incredible any longer. And that he's dropping the belt to Joey Image, which is why he decided to go out and throw the belt down in front of two people and say to go see him at CCW, where he just wound up being the fill-in ring announcer for the night. Didn't even wrestle. Um, <laughs> so now I'm scrambling to fill time, and I see Derek, not in his gear, not in his mask either. And I say, hey, are you a worker? He goes, yes, I am. I said, do you have your stuff? He goes, yes, I do. I said, great. Can you wrestle El Oreo? He goes, absolutely. So he goes out and he gets his stuff, and he goes out and he has the match. And I ask him, what's your name? He goes, Guero Loco. I'm like, okay, cool. Have fun. <laughs> and I just walk away. <laughs> Get in the back. And I'm like, like after the match, he's sitting there with all, all of your, your New York crew. And I go, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you got to give him props because, like, he took that luchador thing to the utmost extreme. Like, he lived that gimmick, man. <laughs> He went to White Castle in it. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. Now, the thing about Decker was he had Decker livid with him, like fuming at the mouth, because he would come in the locker room. I remember the the outdoor shows we did at the college when we're, like, changing in a tool shed. Yes. And he would come up to me. He'd be like, look, man, tell me the truth. That motherfucker speaks English, right? And, again, I'm brand new. Loco's one of my trainers. He's the vet. I'm not blowing him in. So I'm just like, eh, well, you know, maybe a little. And he's like, dude, I know who he is. I know he speaks English. Tell him to speak English with me. And Derek never would. And, like, we'd be, like, in the car. We'd be at other shows. I'd be like, look, man, 
you're pissing the shit out of Decker, and he's probably going to fire your ass if you don't start speaking English to him. And Derek would laugh it off. It's like, okay, okay, okay. But he'd always keep going. And then one day, I don't remember what show it was, Decker's in the locker room. He's talking to me. He's talking to Kevin. Derek's right next to us. And Derek, very blatantly, in his field of vision, takes off his Loca Vita mask, and Chris Decker just goes, I fucking knew it! <laughs> and just screams at him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank God. The cat's finally out of the bag. <laughs> when I finally found out who he was, he, his response was, I thought you knew, so I thought it was okay. <laughs> I was like, I had no idea. So goes, nope. Oh, that's really funny, and you're all laughing at me because I, because <laughs> hearing from Decker, we have this guy who doesn't speak English on the shows, and maybe he does, and maybe he doesn't. We don't know. So there that was, was funny. that was funny. There was one show that Derek was on, and um, he was in his gimmick, getting ready to wrestle, and the commiss shows up, and he's like, "Hey, man, what's your name?" And Derek goes, Loca Vida. He goes, no, no, no. What's your real name? Loca Vida. No, you need to tell me what your real name is right now. Loca Vida. The, the commission's losing his goddamn mind. He starts yelling, if you don't tell me your name, you're not wrestling tonight. Derek, wearing his Coca-Cola shirt, points to his name on the shirt and goes, Loca Vida, and then smiles at him. He goes, that's it. He's not fucking working the show. I'll pull him right now until he tells me his real name. So the doc comes over and just goes, will you please, for the love of God, just tell him your name. And Loka goes, fine. My name's Derek. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't going to tell him because, like, he didn't care. Like, he could have gotten pulled from the show. He didn't care. And he just, he was not going to give in to the commish, but, uh. He finally got talked into it. And, and as we had said earlier, the, the Lebanon tag match was actually for advancement in a singles tournament. And yes, you yes. and Kevin made the finals of said tournament. And we are going to take a look at the finals right now. Match 583. We're back in Newton where the tool shed is the locker room. We're outside. Yep. May 12th, 2012. Match 583 for the adrenaline title. You and Kevin. The first match I was ever proud of and the first match that, like, I wanted to show everybody was this match. Like, I loved this match so much. I was so proud of it. I was so happy with everything about it. And I remember as soon as I got home, I messaged Johnny. I go, dude, you have to put that match up because, like, I got to send it everywhere. Like, this is my match I got to send. And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then later that night, he goes, if we can reach 100 likes, we'll release the adrenaline title match. And I'm like, God damn it, Johnny. So then I'm like <laughs> begging everybody to go and like the page. I'm like, will you please like this page so I can get my goddamn match? Thankfully, he hit the mark, and he uploaded the match for me. Um, but so that match, I remember um, here comes the boxing ring again. That bumping in that ring sucked. I'm sure anybody will tell you this. And I don't know how everyone else approached it, but the New York car, from beginning until the last GSW show, we took that as a challenge on how to get the best match we could in that ring, giving its 
like the ropes and the bumping and everything. Like it's limitations. So Kevin Graham and I that that day we decided we were going to have a great match without bumping. And I think there was we did one bump a piece, and that was a suplex I gave him and the finish he gave me. Other than that, there was like no bumps in the match, which is another reason why I was so proud of it. I do remember like trying a lot of stuff like back then. That's when I wanted to be like Samojo. I wanted to be the big guy who can move. So there's a lot of like I did a lot of Samojo spots, and I remember coming up with the finish because Kevin was doing the uh the flatliner gimmick, and I was like, "What if you like did it off the second? Like I caught you spun around and do the thing, and you know that's what we did, and it just looked really good." So I yeah that that match was probably like my favorite match I had for a long time. Still proud of it. I, it still holds up. Just too bad I'm wearing a stupid silver singlet. <laughs> you get we there. Did, yeah, I mean, we did that on purpose because we wrestled, I think, like a triple threat each or a four-man elimination or something earlier. And I wore my singles black singlet. But we made sure that we wore our tag gear together because we wanted to show, like, it was a friendly competition. You know, no heat, face versus face, all sportsmanship and all that. And I will always remember really enjoying this match. And I, I think I got to ref all of the matches in the trilogy. I'm pretty sure. And it, as I'm looking at the as I'm looking at the list here, I did. So okay. we'll, we'll come to some more of those later. Okay. Um, and while you're a team with Kevin, you're not really teaming in GSW. Right. Really never. And that brings us to our first online pay-per-view, November 10th, 2012. We're back indoors at the College in Newton for uh, Garden State Wrestling, and you go against Damian Dragon. I I remember I don't remember a lot of details to it. I remember um, being told about it and looking him up and thinking it was really cool because um, he was kind of a uh, an indie guy there for a minute. I actually think, like, didn't he retire like that soon after this match? Yeah, he he was gone not too much longer. Yeah, because I remember being like, "Oh man, this could be it. He, this could be the guy who can help me get into places." Because I think he did like ECWA and some other places, and I was like, "He could be my ticket in." And then I have the match, and he's like, "All right, I'm retired. I'm I'm gone. See ya." And I'm like, "Son of a bitch." <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I remember having a, a a decent match. I remember being okay. And I don't mean that against him. Um, I think I was so pumped for wanting to shine a certain amount that I don't think I lived up to what I wanted. Um, I remember being a, just a decent match, but it wasn't what I was hoping for out of me. I do remember it was because it was my first pay-per-view. I do remember like uh, being excited about that. And uh, afterwards, I got some messages from like my best friends who watched it. And a couple others who did. So I thought that was really cool being able to. It was the first time I was able to wrestle and people were watch, which was something that, you know, eventually would become fairly common. But at the time, it was really cool. Yeah, it was my first one, too. So I, I remember being very excited on the way there. And then that was, I believe, the night we came up with the Agro Cup, which we'll come to later on. <laughs> but. Um, I get a message one day from the bookers at WXWC4 that they're looking for some tag teams. I'm like, hey, I know some guys, and I make the recommendation of you and Kevin. So that brings us to Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, February 9th, 2013. 
You and Kevin make your WXWC4 debut in match 647 against AJ Evers and Brandon Scott, who had just wrestled each other. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was, that one was, um, it was intimidating because I do remember, um, getting the message from, uh, Rosh, I think was the one who messaged us, uh, messaged me rather because basically through our entirety as a tag team career, I was the main one handling all the bookings and stuff because Kevin had college and work and, you know, girls who actually paid attention to him. So I was the one with the time to handle all the bookings and shit. So I got the email, reached out to Kevin, told him what was going on. He was all for it. We were pumped. I remember we were set to go, and the Northeast got hit with, like, some huge-ass blizzard. There was, like, a state of emergency and all this shit. I messaged Kevin. I'm like, dude, do we have to miss out on WXW? But, you know, we traveled down there. We got through it. I think we got lucky, and there was a break, and it was ending. Uh, so that was fine. Um, obviously going down there, we're like, it's so cool. We're going to work for Samu. Um, we're going to see all these guys. We're, uh, both huge fans for the wrestler. So we're like, oh man, we're going to see like anarchy and shit there. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> little did we know that he was not anarchy or whatever. And they don't even wrestle in that venue anymore, but still we thought it was cool. Now for us, because we're starting out like, the biggest crowds and the biggest everything obviously we did were at 2CW. Like that was always like the biggest crowds we were in front of and everything. So it was cool going somewhere else, walk into a building and this, whatever building it was. And apparently this was supposed to be a B show. We didn't know that at the time that we found out it was We're like, Oh my God, like they drew these many people. It was like packed. And this is like a B show. Oh man, this place is going to be nuts. We're going to like make money. We're going to become famous. We're going to have great matches and blah, 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 blah. And I remember two things. I remember, um, what we were doing that night going back and forth. Cause I think, I even think Rosh might have been, uh, helping with the booking there. What we're going to do if we we're face or heel, that changed like five times, which would be a common theme for us there. Don't get me wrong. I love WXWC4. I love my time there. We did some great shit, and Samu found a way to take care of us. But, like, that night it was just back and forth, what's going on. I remember sitting in the locker room and then being like, all right, if you were on the show, we got the DVD for you so you can get your DVD. I looked over at Kevin. I'm like, I don't think we're getting paid tonight, Daddy. <laughs> like, they, they pay people with their DVDs. But still, it was cool. It was WXW, and, um, you know, they did the thing. We were coming out. We jump them. You know, we have the match, we go over, great crowd reaction, great crowd. We got a great push. And the only thing I really remember about the match is doing a spot where AJ did a leapfrog and I booted him in the face of midair and it was really cool. <laughs> but <laughs> I, remember, I remember coming out and us attacking him and the crowd going crazy. I don't think they knew who we were. I think they were just going with the show. And like, this is the part where we lose our mind. And they did. And it was awesome. And then I remember having a good match and. Yeah, it was like the start of like a really crazy time of our career there. Yeah, and you'd go on. Uh, this is a big tag team time in WXW. So we're going to kind of lump this all here together. There's a lot of matches with a lot of the same teams. So yes. we go the following month, we're back in Allentown in one of my favorite buildings, the Mountainville Memorial Hall. 
uh, in Allentown. Uh, you guys work with Rosh and with uh, Dynamic Sensation, uh, being BYOB in match 653. And then you're in a six-man where you guys team with Joey Janella against a guy who I have no recollection of named Sean Andrews. Or Sean Edwards, not Sean Andrews, that's the guy from the Cashmasters. Sean Edwards. I'll say that name sounded familiar. The, the Southside Players Club. And then you're in a four-way tag with Black Hollywood. Black Hollywood? Should that be Black Wall Street? Huh. I don't, I don't know. I, I think there was a Black Hollywood. Okay. And then the Carino Brothers and, and the Southside Players Club. And then you go again with Black Wall Street, and then you go again with BYOB. This is all through the spring and summer of 2013. That's just 653, 667, 683, 695, and 701. At some point, you guys win the tag titles too. Yes. No, we we did. You, like you're saying, like it was a big like tag team boom, and that was like the reason why we came in. Uh, we kind of figured like ta- tag teams would be big there because Samu was. You know, part of the head shrinkers and everything. And obviously, like, every other iteration of their within Samoan SWAT team and all them. So we're like, okay, so they really like their tag teams here. Uh, so we showed up, and it was kind of like, it got kind of frustrating, I would say, probably at one point. Now, when we got there, we were always just like, we'll do what you want. We'll do what we're told. We're here to do a job. Obviously, you know, we're not going to you know, question Samu and stuff, but it was kind of like a rocky situation there where we were getting told multiple things by multiple different people, and usually none of them were Samu. You know, Lance might tell us one thing. Um, I can't remember that other guy, the dude who was, um, I think he was a referee, then he got beat up, and then he became like a, a authority figure. RC. Yes, RC. So he would tell us one thing. Uh, Lance would tell us another. Rosh would tell us another because he was still um, in charge of the bookings. Uh, BYOB were the tag team champions. When we came in, Rosh was like, I can't wait to work you. You work you guys and stuff. Uh, so he was, we're getting to work them. Graham and I never thought for a second we were going to win the tag titles there because we just saw ourselves as the out of town guys. We're coming in. We're mixing things up. We're doing our stuff and it is what it is. So I remember. What got frustrating was all these matches. We came in, we were told, we were specifically told coming in, we need you to come in as baby faces. We need baby face tag teams. So we got to the first show, think we're baby face, then we're told we're heel, then we're told we're baby face, and then ended up being heel. And they're like, okay, you guys are heels, you're going to work this team, they're heels too. Well, what the hell are we supposed to do with this? Mainly Black Wall Street, were, were the Crano Brothers heel? Yeah. Yeah. So they were heel. Yeah, so we were working like a lot of heel teams. Uh even um Anderson and Havoc were heel. So it was like what do we do? And like none of the matches were like meshing or working because everyone's trying to be a heel. And um at this point in two C W obviously we're heels. Um I think in G S uh G S W I think Al's a heel and Kevin was a face, maybe vice versa. I know we fought back around a lot. We're never really on the same page. But so we kind of got like frustrated with it and we went to Samu after one of these matches finally that was just like it was awful. 
because we would get so mad that we'd have these matches. We'd walk back. We hang our heads down because we're like so frustrated and we make that walk outside from gorilla to back to the locker room where you're walking through the dirt and the mud. Yes. And which by the way, <laughs> dirt one, um, sidebar when the Yokozuna documentary came out and they were showing like the Yokozuna memorial show and they showed like, like, you know, Kane and the undertaker and stuff there. Like I saw that they're at that building and I just started laughing because I just pictured Kane and the Undertaker making that walk in their gear in the mud and the dirt to go back to the locker room. And that just made me laugh. <laughs> well, I will say that was not always the locker room. When I first started there, the locker room was oh, in really? a different part of the building. And it was all uh, indoors. And as the roster grew, they decided to get the bigger room on the other side of the building. But it's also where the fans came in. So they had to reposition the entry to where, yeah, we had to walk outside. <laughs> Oh, man, he does ruin that for me. No, damn. Okay, but so anyway, so we just had another match, and we'd get so pissed when we get to the back, and, like, RC, and then we'd be like, great match, guys, great match. That was really great. And I remember this this last time we walk in, Kevin and I are walking to the back, and we're like, we can't do this anymore. This is too frustrating. Like, we can do better. We can do more for these guys. Like, this is awful. We walk in, great match, great match. Kevin Graham goes, no, it wasn't. He's like, don't lie to me. That match sucked. He just kept going, and I'm like, oh, well, here we go. And because, you know, got to follow Kevin. He goes straight to Samu. And Samu's like, great match, guys, great match, guys. I'm like, Kevin, don't don't, don't argue with Samu, please. But Kevin Graham goes, look, man, um, obviously we're here for what you need us to do. You know, whatever you want to do, we will do. But I just want to let you know that me and me and Pun here, we can work fine as a face. If you guys need faces, we can do that for you. If you want us to be heel, we'll do that for you. But with all these heel teams going on, we can be face for you. And Sam Moves just like, yeah, brother, that, yeah, they have, that could work. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, Lance, let's, let's do that. And then, like, from there on in, like, we turn face. And not long after that, because CK were heels, we ended up getting the tag titles, and then, you know, things kind of, like, picked up from there. And things did get better, definitely, because there was that rough stretch where it was just, like, kind of going through the motions. Mm-hmm. But, and we'll get back to WXW in a little bit here, but you started to come down um, to another promotion that I worked for in School Kill Haven, Pennsylvania. Okay. And... Your first match that I worked with you there in the New Era Wrestling Federation was match 662 in a three-way dance on March 30th, 2013. You're against Steve McKenzie and Sean Silence. So I remember, I think, the guy there I met at GSW, and I think he saw me, and he was like, oh, hey, you know, I could use a guy like you, a top heel, you know, in the title picture and stuff. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, why not? And um, he ended up bringing me in, and he, like, put the belt on me, like, my second or third show. So I did this one, and Sean Silence was the champion. And um, Sully was there, so they did the triple threat. And what I remember about this match was it was just it was just fun. Obviously, I love Sully. Go way back with him. But Sean, I never, like, it took me a while, but, like, Sean is a great guy. He's a great dude. And I can't remember if I met dang. What the fuck was that? Grant's Martial Arts. Keystone Wrestling? Sure, I wasn't there. 
Uh, I'm trying to remember where I, where I met him first. Cause I remember seeing him at Grant's. We're doing the locker room meeting and he's just standing in the corner, slowly eating a bag of Doritos. Like he makes, <laughs> he makes eye contact with me and he's just got a large bag of cheesy nacho Doritos. He reaches in slowly, pulls out one chip and puts it in his mouth and slowly eats it. And he does that over and over during the entire meeting. And at that point, I'm like, this dude is fucking awesome. <laughs> and that's how me and Sean became friends. But, um, I mean, not only that, but, like, I did have some matches with him in, like, GSW, and I thought he was really good. Uh, he's super easy to work with. He'll just he'll come up and he'll be like, what do you want to do? I'm like, let's keep it simple. Do this, do this, and do this. He'll be like, I fucking love it. Doesn't butt heads. Doesn't be like, I need to do this. We have to do it that way. He just laughs and is like, awesome. Let's keep it simple. And I just, Sean, awesome dude, love him. Loved working him. And I remember during this match was really the first match I had where in there we were just like telling jokes to each other because like in the back we're doing something and somebody used a Mario, a Super Mario Brothers line. So throughout the match, we just kept on talking like Mario to each other. It's just for the stupidest shit. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I remember, um, I want to say, did I end up going over that match? Okay, probably like I, I, Studley or something. Well, I remember Studley, his gimmick was the guy that wasn't supposed to be there, but always wound yes. up on the show. And yeah. the, the shitty um, commissioner guy would be like, who are you? And he'd be like, yep. Mackenzie. Oh, God, and, that, pissed, that pissed him off so bad. That pissed him off, and I'm pretty sure the only reason why Studley kept coming was because of he thought the chef was the funniest thing ever. I forgot about chef. Chef was a good <laughs> He's There was just a spot where someone was laying down, and the chef goes, roll and pin, and he just, like, rolls over the guy. <laughs> Suddenly thought that was the funniest thing ever. So he, he, and then one day he, he messaged me. He goes, dude, did you know the chef was in the PWI 500? I was like, why are you looking this shit up suddenly? He was, like, obsessed with them for a while. Well, that's what Studley does. <laughs> yes, that is that is what Studley does. Um, I, I, I always remember the one show we're backstage, and uh, one of the kids working at the building brought back like five cases of water, and he looks at us. This is for you, and Studley looks at us. I'm not gonna be able to drink all of that. <laughs> and the kid just gave him the most confused look. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I remember that. Oh. So, right now, we are going to pause for a moment here from some other podcasts. We'll be right back here on the numbers with Ruben's Like. It's the most successful independent wrestling promotion of this generation. It's the place where the stars of today made their name. Now, get the inside story of Ring of Honor from those that lived it with an honorable mention. Join Ring of Honor alumni Shane Hagedorn and his co-host Jeff Schwartz as they break down a classic Ring of Honor event every Tuesday and get the -the behind-the-scenes scoop and inside stories that you won't hear anywhere else. An honorable mention, available every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platforms. For exclusive bonus content, plus early ad-free access to every show, check out patreon.com slash anhonorablepod. Hey friends, Chris O'Mealy here, and if you're into nerd culture like I am, then you'll love my show, The Nerd Table, airing every Monday morning at 7am on the CKCC radio channel. Eric Flores, Dan Peck, and myself 
discuss everything from movies, TV shows, video games, music, sports, and more while we tell hilarious stories, interview interesting people, and just have fun conversations about the things we enjoy. Check us out every Monday at 7 a.m. on CKCC Radio. And if you're a fan of The Simpsons, CKCC Radio delivers the Stupid Sexy Podcast every Friday evening as Dan Peck and I review every episode of The Simpsons ever. All this and many other great shows can be found on CKCC Radio. Listen to us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And we're back here on CKCC Radio. Matt Darline with By the Numbers, joined by Brute Van Slyke this week. And we are now moving GSW to Pennsylvania full-time. And it's become Grand Slam Wrestling instead of Garden State Wrestling. And on our debut show at the Music Youth Center, match 716, you go one-on-one with serious business Andy Hedder. It's match uh, 716 in the book. Oh, man, I was so happy when uh, GSW moved to Music. Um, It became like a three-hour drive. It was... Um, I, at first, you know, I remember going to the venue at first and I didn't really like the venue cause I was like, man, the locker room sucks being on stage. And you know, like, it's just weird as all the space, but like GSW, like really turned that place into like a home base. And I was really sad when we left as cool as, you know, the new place was in old forge. Like I ended up loving the music, the music youth center, like everything about it. Even the weird urinal toilet sitting next to the <laughs> sink. Like, <laughs> uh, I just thought everything about it was great. I remember, like, eventually 2CW ran there, and, like, Johnny took some cues on the setup and made it even better. And, you know, we got, like, a good amount of people in there. Uh, so really, like, by the end, from a lot of, like, you know, elbow grease and, and blood, sweat, and tears, like, that place turned out really awesome. But, like, this, the, when we were first there, the ring smack dab in the center of this giant room. The entryway is just like a banner. There's no guardrails. There's only a couple chairs, and it just felt like really weird. A couple things to note about this. Um, I remember coming down with Studley. Um, I think this is a show where he he did. I think Studley wrestled Phil Stamper. And, yes. Yep, and then he lost to the Taz Mission, and I just <laughs> died laughing because Studley like used to always bust on me for being a Taz Mark. And I was just like, motherfucker, I never once beat you with a Taz mission. So I thought it was great that he lost to that. The most notable thing of the whole night was this was my first match ever in my brand new wrestling boots. So that was the memorable moment for me. I do remember that I think this match was, was it number one contender for the heavyweight title? Or was it just Hedder's start for his push towards the title? This was number one contendership because Hedder okay. would win the belt from Gibbs shortly thereafter. I yeah. think this may have been Gibbs defending against Axel still, and then we're building towards Hedder winning the belt. Yeah, so um, match was match was okay. Um, I think also this is back when we had the GSW ring, but they were using. NEWF's ropes because I remember like they were red and yes they're a little tighter so at this time um I was switching to trunks I was you know full-blown Terry Gordy Stan Hansen uh finding my footing as you know that kind of wrestler and also at this point like stuff starting to be drilled into me of protecting your size 
you know, being like that big monster and all that stuff. And I was like really on my, you know, all Japan for wrestling kick. And, um, I was really like using a lot of, uh, like studying a lot of, uh, giant Bernard from new Japan. So like, because header is smaller than me and a different kind of wrestler, I remember being like, okay, so he's got to go over. I got to protect myself. Cause I think we're told like he goes over, but it wasn't supposed to be like super strong because like I was still going to be doing something after. So it was like a flash fin type of thing. And I remember thinking, well, how would like Bam Bam Bigelow do this? So I was thinking of King of the Ring versus Bret Hart with the roll up finish. So I was like, we're going to do that. So that's what we did for a finish. And in my head, I'm like, this makes sense. Keeps me protected, makes him look good. He's faster, he's quicker, he's smarter. I'm the big, stupid, dumb, big guy or whatever. And I'm not going to name names. It was nobody at GSW, but I remember afterwards coming back home, somebody messaged me and he yelled at me for it. Like, told me it was dumb. It was a bad idea. I shouldn't have done it. It made me look bad. And I was just like, I literally took the spot from Bam Bam Bigelow. Like, I just, I remember it just confusing the hell out of me. And I was so like angry. I'm like, what should I have done then? And their person was just being really negative about it. And I was just like, what, what else did you want me to do? Do you want the guy to like shoot me? Like, how am I supposed to like <laughs> put this guy over and keep myself looking good and, and not at his expense? You know, like it's a weird situation where you're the big guy. You got to keep yourself protected, but you've got to put the guy over because the son of a bitch is going to win the title. Like, I can't, you can't look stupid or, or weak or whatever. Like, I got to put him over. And I thought that was the best way to make us both look good. But apparently, according to this one guy, I was wrong. But, you know, it was a decent match. We did what we had to do and busted out a few things. And, and most importantly, that was the beginning of the music years. Yes, it was. And we did have stuff coming up for you. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. But it did take a little bit of a detour thanks to some um, last-second kicking out that I didn't <laughs> acknowledge as kicking out and counted three when you wrestled Super Cop Dick Justice in match 718 back in Music, September 28, 2013. Uh, to this day, I still don't know what the hell happened. Because I can tell you right now, in 11 years, this is the only time this has happened. It's come close. I am still going to say I kicked out. I'm pretty sure that I did, but shit happens. It might have been like I thought I kicked out. It might have been I did kicked out, but, you know, Dick's girth abstracted it. But I'm pretty sure Dick was still supposed to go over because I wasn't mad that I lost. I was mad that we had, like, two more minutes to do, and I was going to do a really cool spot. So, like, I wasn't super bummed about it. Other than we had more we wanted to do, uh, because Dick and I, we always wanted to work each other. We were just on two different planes at too many different places. This is before he blew up and went everywhere. Uh, so he was still part of the New York car. Uh, he was in 2CW doing his own thing. I was doing my thing. We didn't cross paths there. Uh, I think at this point I was probably living in Rochester with him. We were, we were, we were good friends. We would always like get together and watch, you know, Japanese wrestling. And we, we, he would love this, the same type of wrestling I did, but he never got to do that type of wrestling because he was always doing like the finger gun stuff. So if you go back and you watch any match between me and Dick, 
It doesn't matter where he was, what he was doing, what comedy shit he was over. Dick always busted out the All Japan with me because that's what he wanted to do. So he, that's why he was wearing like the American flag singlet here and not the cop gimmick because he really wanted to transition into like, uh, Gary Albright. Um, that's what he always wanted to like be. And then eventually ended up becoming like, you know, a Dusty Rhodes, which made him happy. But we did the match and it was a three point shoulder tackle. And the only way I will concede that maybe I didn't kick out like I thought I did is I know I have come real close because, man, do I love those near kickouts. And a lot of times I'll watch that ref's hand, I will judge it, and I will, like, roll that shoulder at the last possible second. But here it was just it is what it is. I think there was only, like, two more minutes left, so it was, like, no big deal. Uh, but I do remember also in this match uh, I did some spot with Dick. And I hit him with a T-bone suplex, and we busted, like, four boards in the ring, like, in the corner. <laughs> so I used to tell – me and Dick told everybody that we did the, you know, the fucking Taz, Bam Bam Bigelow, where I suplex him through the ring. You know, for the ending, it was what it was, but every time I get to work with Dick, I'm happy with it. So at least there's that. And I remember – his response to the match ending early was him saying, well, I guess you'll just have to keep booking me and we're going to have to have a feud now. <laughs> That's true, yep. And yep, I said, and I just said, okay, cool, we can do that. <laughs> but you still, had know, some, gonna... <laughs> you still had some other things to do in GSW uh, as you were recruited, recruited by the Floyd family. Ah, yes, that's what it was. And you are... Now feuding with the Diamond City Kings, mm-hmm. we are up to October twenty fifth, twenty thirteen. Match seven twenty five. You're against Matt Turner, Mike Vaughn, teaming with Stigma. Um, yeah, yeah, I do remember that match. Was this Brad's last match for a while? No, that's coming up uh, in a couple months here. Okay, I remember like some point I nailed him like a really stiff lariat, and he was just like, he used to joke and be like, I took a lariat from Brute. And then I stopped wrestling. I don't remember if it was that match or not. Um, but no, I mean, I don't really remember. Uh, I don't think there's anything like super like crazy about that night. Um, I thought it was cool wrestling with Stigma because, you know, I know he's from Chikara, so I thought that was pretty cool. I remember Vaughn giving me the running CM Punk knee in the corner. And instead of hitting me in the jaw, he kneed me in the nipple. And I was like, <laughs> I was, I was like, not used to doing this to tall guys, are you? <laughs> uh, uh, well, other than that, I, you know, I don't remember being like awful or anything, so must have been a decent enough match. Better than the next day, that's for sure. <laughs> because the following day, um, you are defending your NEWF title in front of literally zero fans, which Eric can ha- contest with me to this day, but I was there and there were zero paying fans. We are in Pottsville at some old rock bar and you're in a four-way match. I like two of the three dudes here. Um, <laughs> two of you three opponents. Um, you're defending against Chio Frost, like Marvel, and Mark at 735. <sighs> Well, I can tell you this, that venue was fucking amazing. And I tried real hard to get either Johnny or Josh to run in that venue because I thought it was amazing. I took 
uh, picture with the Leonard Skinner portrait. That was my profile picture for a while. Absolutely beautiful. Kiss is painted on the wall. There's a stage. There's a bar. There's lighting. Oh, chef kisses for that menu. And that's pretty much, <laughs> that's pretty much where it ends that night. Uh, so if I remember correctly, NEWF was like done. Like this is it. This is their last show. And they were going to do something where they're going to merge with like GSW and because yes. I was a champion. Uh, there was going to be a total unification match between me and Header and all that shit. And that's what it was going to be. I showed up. I was going to, uh, who was I supposed to, I was supposed to be in a one-on-one match originally, maybe a triple threat. It might have been me, the one dude and, uh, Mark, Na- Mark Master or whatever, but it ended up turning into that four-way with a four-way strap match, which I was like, how the fuck are we doing a four-way strap match? Like, explain <laughs> that one to me. And, like, son of a bitches couldn't even connect the straps into an axe. It was just two of us were strapped together. I'm like, this is dumb. And I just remember being told, like, okay, you're dropping the title, and then, you know, we're going to continue on. And I was just like, I think it was, like, their first show in, like, eight months or something. Like, they haven't ran in a while. Then I showed up. I did the match. It was just, like, hit this person with that, hit this person with that. And then the match was over. And then Gio won the title. And then they ended up not running again anyways. And then, you know, all the shit after that. But that venue, 9 out of 10, highly recommend. Yeah. And for from being where it was and literally drawing zero people, yeah. it was a really cool building. Yeah. So we're back at GSW. Uh, we're up to December 7th of 2013. And you have a rematch with Dick in match 740. Maybe this is the one where we broke the ring. Might have been, because I think he was in his cop uniform here. Yeah, I think this is the one where we broke the ring. I don't remember much about the match, but I know we were, like, starting to, like, plan out where it was going. And I knew uh, Brad was always talking about the big blow-off. That wasn't decided yet, but I'm not being, like, the dog-collar match. So, yeah, this match doesn't really... I don't really remember what happened there. I should, probably should have looked it up and watched it. But yeah, I remember it was like, now we're starting to lead to the big blow off that was going to then like turn around and go towards like me at the world title or whatever after that. Yes, you were. But before that, we had some business to finish off here with the Diamond City Kings. Um, it's a very snowy night in Muzik. Um, January 25th, 2014. In match 746, you're teaming with Clay and Stigma and what was supposed to be Brad DeMeo, Mike Vaughn, and Matt Turner. It snowed that night. Turner couldn't get here, so Dick wound up filling in. And let's talk about this one because I love this match. Okay, I do remember that match a little bit more. I do. That was great. I remember uh, Dick's great pop when he came out as the, the, the filler. Him and I, like, at this point, were, were uh, focused on each other, mostly for the match. And we were, like, brawling and shit. I remember, like, we were brawling, like, to the concession stands and, like, coming back around and doing all that shit. Uh, this was also the night that Johnny made the GSW mini wrestling buddies. And he made me one. And uh before the show, we're out at the counter, and Dick has the wrestling buddy. And this just popped up on my timeline a few weeks ago, obviously. And it's just Dick 
like filmed a 1990s wrestle buddy commercial with my wrestling buddy and it was like the greatest thing ever and i remember telling him i was like dude i wish i was a comedy wrestler because i want us to brawl through one of the doors of the concession stand and you come out the other concession stand door and you're fighting my wrestling buddy instead i thought that would have been so crazy um but that didn't happen and then uh so we did the match like i remember said it was a lot of us brawling continuing the story uh, I remember after the show, it was, um, finally time for the, the three leftover food. And so even though we were stopping at freaking iron skillet and sheets on the way home, we all made a beeline to get some hot dogs. And Chris Decker, the son of a bitch ate the last hot dogs and Dick got pissed. And then they both took the shirts off and started sumo wrestling in the kitchen. But what? You you never saw this? No. Yeah, like Dick's like, how could you eat all the hot dogs? I wanted a hot dog, and Decker's got like a hot dog in his mouth. There's a video of this too. Uh, It might have been on Dick's Facebook, but Dick takes his shirt off. Decker takes his shirt off. They start Kamala slapping their bellies. They run at each other like Godzilla and King Kong, and they're like sumo grappling, and they're grabbing each other's pants, and they're in the kitchen, literally in that tiny ass kitchen just slamming hams against each other and something happened and Decker like hits the counter and busts his forehead open. <laughs> and that was the end of the hot dog sumo match. So, so you can say that Dick won the first ever hot dog sumo match in GSW history. Yes. But Decker got the last hot dog. So really who won? I won. Cause I got to watch it all. And this would be where you would have given Brad the Lariat. Oh, okay. There it is. Which he spoke very highly of when he and Eric were on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, talking about how that, he, he saw it as like a, a passing of the torch moment to the new big guy in the area as he was on his way out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I remember him uh, saying that to, uh, oh shit. Who was that shithead? The construction worker fella. Oh man, he used to run his mouth about being like the best big man in like Pennsylvania and, and, uh, Brad was just like, I don't know, man, that was me for a while. And then, you know, then it was Brute. So until Brute passes the torch, I think it's going to stick with him. And I was like, oh, thanks, Brad. And now we start to build you towards the title while you're still feuding with Dick. And we go to February 22nd, 2014. It's match two in the trilogy with Kevin. Uh, match 747 in the book. So this match with Kevin was another match. Going back to our AgriCup title, this was a match where Kevin and I were like, we're not going to bump in this ring. And this is because, um, now, normally, when I have, like, a match coming up, I'll always find match study to go along with what's going on. And going into this match, I think the night before, I don't know if I meant to watch it or if I just happened to come across it, but this match dictated what happened in this match. I watched from Evolve. John Moxley versus Bruiser Bro, Bruiser Brody, Brody Lee. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So Moxley versus Brody Lee, uh, it evolved at, uh, the Ace Arena there. And the entire match was just them chopping the shit out of each other. It was spot, 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 dive and weave, duck and dive, big chop. Whip reverse, duck, 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 big chop. 
wasn't like bumps. Instead of bumping, they chopped each other. So I told this to Kevin. I go, what if we build the match and everything we do, instead of leading to a bump, it's a chop? He looks at me and goes, are you fucking serious? I go, would you rather me chop you or would you rather me fucking powerbomb you in this boxing ring? <laughs> so he goes, all right, you can chop me. <laughs> and so that match was just a lot of like, boom, 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 big chop. Now, I'm very proud of my chops. I got big old ham hawks. And as long as you aren't a bitch and do that thing where you bring your shoulders in, I can get a nice and good chop on you. Now, Kevin Graham, he will throw a chop as hard as he can, but he throws them like Stan Hansen, where he just like apparently closes his eyes and doesn't look where he's throwing them at all. And you can get chopped in the chest, in the nipple, in the stomach, in the face, in the throat, on your back, wherever. <laughs> but Kevin Graham will chop you as hard as he can. And that's what we did in this match. And uh, it was it was fun. It was good. And there's more to come as we finish the trilogy over the summer. Mm-hmm. But before that, we do have one more match to discuss before we go to break. Um, before we become GSW champion. And this is you doing more singles work now at WX, or, yeah, WXWC4. You're going one-on-one on May 30th, 2014, match 769 with Mustafa Aziz Daniels. <sighs> okay, so this match, I was still tag team champions with Kevin Graham. I uh, came out with the belt. This match has so much going on in it, but nothing going on at the same time. Because this was night one of a doubleheader. Uh, Kevin Graham could not make the first night. So myself, Jay Freddy, and Dick Justice drove down for the first night, did this show, and then Kevin Graham would drive down with Ted Stilwell for the second night for us to do this, the second show. So this show is memorable and important because this is the first match that I do my Bull Hurley over the top gimmick. We were talking about it for a while, that GSW show we were just talking about. We did uh, 2CW the night before that GSW show, and the New York car, me, Dick, Kevin, and Freddie were staying over at Kevin's house. And we had time before we had to leave the next day, so we woke up, we were hanging around, and Over the Top came on, so we all watched Over the Top. And Kevin Graham and Dick are just like, dude, like, you should just be Bull Hurley. And I was like, what? And they're like, you should just be Bull Hurley. Like, that should be you. Uh, cause this was not long before this was my night where we did a 2CW show in a bar and I was at a table cause a drunken fan challenged me in our arm wrestling match. And then I proceeded to arm wrestle and beat like 25 wrestlers, fans and bouncers, uh, at the table. And like, it was like this really like infamous moment that like people talked about for a little while because it was fucking nuts. And little known fact, my dad was a legit truck driver who competed in arm wrestling competitions. So like okay. this Bull Hurley thing, like made a lot of sense. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'll do that. Didn't exactly know how I'll do it. So this night, me, Dick and Freddie are down first. We're in Pennsylvania and we're just living like the territory life. We get our hotel or whatever. We're eating at truck stops. You know, we're hanging out at truck stops. We're going to diners, hole in the walls. Uh, we're watching Mid-South Wrestling. We're listening to Skinner, Kiss, Metallica, and all that shit. And we're at a truck stop, and Dick picks up a trucker hat. He goes, yo, here's your Bull Hurley trucker hat. 
I went, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. So I buy the trucker hat. I buy the aviator sunglasses. I have um, my favorite shirt, which is now destroyed, but my orange and blue tie-dyed Boonville Woodsman Craft Days shirt. So I came to the ring wearing that, the shades, and the hat. So this is the first time I was doing my, tr- my arm wrestling truck driver gimmick. However, the only wrinkle in the thing was I'm now a face there. Like I said, we turned face. So I came up with the idea of when I do my gimmick as a face, instead of being the asshole Bull, Bull Hurley from over the top, I'd be the lovable Ray Jackson from Bloodsport. So I kept on coming out to the ring just yelling, come on, Frankie, like Ray did in Bloodsport. Even though, no one, <laughs> even though there was no Frankie, I just kept on saying, come on, Frankie. And like that was my go-to. The other memorable thing was Mustafa had two managers, gimmicks, whatever you wanted to call them with them. One being the, they're, they're fresh. They're, they're, they're new. First time I met them, uh, Leo Rush and the future shithead Velveteen Dream. That's right. And I, I forgot that Velveteen Dream was, was one of them. Yep. He was, uh, the one in the, the, the turban and the booty shorts. And I should have punched him when I had the chance back then, but he got out of the way. But um, what I remember about this is um, back there, like I said, I'm by myself. Now, I'm 98% sure, no, 99.8% sure that the next night we were in that giant-ass gym in front of, like, a thousand-some-odd people, and that's when Kevin and I lost the tag titles to uh, Havoc and Anderson. That's correct, and I remember... You guys crashed with crashed at my house in between. Yes. Instead of driving all the way home, and I was yes. calling my wife at like eleven thirty, being like, "Hey, I know <laughs> we have a four month old, but." <laughs> yep. So we got up at like nine in the morning, shipped out, and then we went and found a park and played a uh, can jam frisbee. We we're just shooting frisbees in the garbage cans. Uh, that's what I we sh- did before the big show. And that's because I had worked at 10 o'clock and I should have just yes. called off work. <laughs> yeah, so we got up and out we went. So uh by myself, I remember sending a picture to Kevin. I'm like, oh, hey, look at the new gimmick. And Kevin goes, that's fucking awesome. Uh, so I'm in the back. I'm wrestle, uh, wrestling him. And uh so they're telling me all the shit that's going to happen with Patrick and Leo. And like I said, the first time I met him and, you know, Patrick has got the, the, the black shorts. He's got the turban. It's like covering his face, whatever he's carrying the Iranian flag. And then there's Leo, who's dressed up in spirit Halloween costumes. He's got like some plastic skull mask and a cape and a hood and an executioner's cloak and some black <laughs> tights or whatever. So he comes up to me and they're like, okay, so what's going to happen? Patrick's going to do this. That's a distraction, blah, blah, blah. And then when you go to get him, he's going to move. And then Leo's going to hop up on the apron to distract you. I'm like, all right. So I, like, go after him. And Leo is like, no, no, no. So I'm going to get up, right? I'm going to take off my cloak. And I'm going to cock my head at you, like, all scary-like. And you're going to be like, whoa, who's this guy? He's scary. And you're going to back off all scared. And I looked at him, and I went... (laughs) And I went, no. I was like, I'm not backing away from you scared. I go, are you fucking mental? And you know what? If 
I, God forbid this gets to Leo or any of his millions of fans. And to you, I'm sorry. Hand to God, this motherfucker wanted me to be scared of some five foot guy that I've never seen before while I'm the tag team champions and all this stuff and six foot five. And I was like, no, I will not back off scared of you, but because this is your shit, I will act very confused. Like, who is this motherfucker looking like he just shopped at Spirited Halloween? And that's what I did. I saw him. He got up. He cocked his head with his ghost face scream mask or whatever he had on. So I, like, approached him like, what is this? Should I punch him? Should I throw a Pokeball at him? Like, what's going on? And then <laughs> um, Patrick you know, handed Mustafa some foreign object, which you've been oblivious to the entire match, by the way. You know, he's stabbing me with freaking spikes, and you can't see it. What kind of referee are you? And I get dipped with, like, brass knucks, and then I get pinned, and then I go on. Uh, and then this airs as the semi-made event of the 4th of July episode of WXW, which I thought was funny. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it did take three of them to beat you, and <laughs> it was not the most fragrant ring. But other than that... Oh, yes, that was the other thing. Um, this uh, this afternoon, I was uh, watching this stuff, and I was taking notes on my phone so I could, like, have discussion points so I could remember them until my wife pointed out that, like, how I'm going to be talking on this phone. I won't be able to see my notes, uh, so it was pointless. But one <laughs> of the notes I took was, that shit was smelly. <laughs> I remember the smell. You are correct. I... I... I forgot about so much of that. I forgot that. Shit. Yeah, like I told you, it was a very memorable Dream was match. a part of it. I remember Leo being a part of it. I forgot about the Spirit Halloween part. Maybe that's why I was so distracted because I was like, Probably. the fuck you doing out here? Uh, well, that was another thing I noticed when I watched it. I remember Leo then being like, he wasn't going to be out there. He was going to show up all mysteriously. And when I watched the match, he came out with Clark and Mustafa. And I'm like, I thought you were supposed to show up later. I didn't know that because I came out second. But apparently he just came out from the beginning, even though he was supposed to pop up out of nowhere at the end. And that's why I was supposed to be all confused. <laughs> but apparently that didn't happen. Well, I mean, it was confusing. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was very confusing. <laughs> but better I told, you, was, I told you, like, WXW was a wild ride, man. Yes, it was. And there's one more to come to after we, we take our next break here, but let, let's get the GSW title on you here before we go to break. Match 777, you've won the Agro Cup, and you are using it to challenge Andy Hender for the GSW title, the man who had beaten you to become the number one contender to win the title. June 14th, 2014, let's talk about this one. So my favorite thing about this match is the agro cup equation because i am very proud of the agro cup because i am one of the people who came up with it and pushed it and then brad and john and everyone's like that's a fucking great idea and it kind of started off like as a half joke uh because we were out at that diner after one of the shows and i was just like we're talking and i don't know if guts came up or what came up but i was just like dude somebody should have a tournament and the winner gets the goddamn aggro crag. Like, how cool would that be? We could call it, like, the aggro cup and all this shit. And everyone laughed, like, it's great, great, great. 
And then one day Johnny sends me a picture. He's like, oh, hey, we're doing that thing we joked about. And I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And so I watched that match because I didn't know if it counted because it wasn't on the list, but you were out at ringside for it. But um, uh, but you're the one holding it in the picture and everything. So I did watch that match. So briefly about, like, all that shit was um, uh, I really want to point out, like, me and Kevin, like, my favorite match for a while, like, like structure-wise, move-wise, and all that. The Agri Cup, probably to this day, is my favorite match I was in because everything about it was every, – 99% of it was amazing. Well, 98% now, look, knowing now what we know. Yes. But, <laughs> but the this only is a four-way th- match only. Only four yes, people in this match. Only four people. Um, the only thing that really bothered me about it was the ending before I climbed the ladder got messed up, and it wasn't as awesome as it should have been. But it was one of those things where I'm in there with Kevin Graham, I'm in there with Dick Justice, who were very good friends. And, like, even with Clay, like, he was never one of those guys, like, I was super close with or anything, but got along with. So I'm in there with guys that I know, I'm friends with, and, like, I can trust. So there has been times in my career where, like, oh, we're going to push in the slider match with these people. And I'm like, eh, do I have to? Because I really don't trust that guy over there with a ladder coming at my face. But all of these guys, awesome. And it was another one of those matches where I remember there's a spot where Kevin Graham had the ladder. And, like, he hit me. He hit Dick. Doc hit another. And, like, so he hits Dick. Dick goes down hits me. I go down. And <laughs> there's another spot where he hit again with the ladder and blah, blah, blah. And we're on the ground. And Dick goes, that's one. And then I bump and I go, that's two. And we're referencing Home Alone, making each other laugh. So, like, and I'm watching it. And I told my wife, I go, this was probably the last time that I had a match that I just had fun in. It was a great match. Like, everything was great about it. But, like, I had fun in there. I wasn't nervous about anything. I wasn't worried about anything. I was in a match, enjoying it, having fun with my friends, and I miss that in wrestling more than anything. Because when, like, 2CW closed, when GSW closed, when Kevin Graham retired, when Dick Justice retired, I lost all my friends and family in wrestling, and I have not had fun like that in forever. And I would love to go back and just do that match, relive that match one more time, and just enjoy it. But I ended up winning the Agro Cup, which was cool. <laughs> and when I'm watching it, it gets to the part where I climb up. And fun fact, there's three things in this world I'm afraid of. One is spiders. The other two are heights and ladders, which is why I never do ladder matches. Um, so I climb up on the second rung of the ladder, and I reach up and I grab the cord that the aggro cup is on, and I pull the cord to pull the aggro crag towards me so I don't have to climb any higher. So I unhook it, and I'm posing with it, and my wife is in the living room. She goes, ugh. And because of that, I've had to deal with that goddamn thing in our bedroom for the next six years. (laughs) 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 Because as I speak, my aggro crag is sitting right next to me with my ultimate warrior wrestling buddy and my uh, brute vance-like wrestling buddy chilling out. (laughs) I have not lost that thing. Um, Because even when I cashed in, I was like, you give that back. I'm keeping that thing. 
And then hey, thankfully, I was just going to say, thankfully, uh, I thought I'd have to give it back so they can use it for next year. But Johnny goes, no, 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 they're cheap. I'll just buy another one. So I got to keep mine and never had to give it back. And then Clay smashed his the following year. <laughs> yep. He had like a cool one that lit up or whatever, but he smashed his. Um, and I will say when Decker, because this is when Decker and I were still booking. And the only mistake that we made here was that we should have done the ladder match in Nanakoke the month before and done the dog collar match here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I remember saying something and just being like, you know, I think it would have been better like that. Looking, but looking back at it, like, um, I think it still worked because when I was watching it, uh, on commentary, I think, uh, can't remember if it was AJ or Brad, but someone like made like a good point when I was watching, uh, my title match against the, the match with Andy Hatter. That it's like, you know, Brute was in this feud with Dick. Uh, he went and he had this war with him for the dog collar match, but he used the Agra Cup to bounce back and now he's here in the title match. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I still think, like, it worked out. And, like, that one line there paints a pretty good picture of me and Dick in this, you know, blood feud, minus the blood, the ending of the dog collar match where we both killed each other. And, like, that was it. And then, but now we're back in this ladder match. And, like, I had to rebound from the loss or whatever. So it still worked. So um, I I still think it worked out the way, uh, doing it that way. But, you know, well... You know, hindsight, the other one, bigger show, bigger arena or whatever, but it's still worked. The the type of crowd more so. Like the 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 crowd at the Nanacoke show, the fundraiser crowd, would have been more into the high spots and the and the the craziness of the ladder match where our fans in music who were so invested in the story would have been more invested in the dog collar payoff with you and Dick. So Right, yeah. In that respect, it it would have worked out better flipped, but at the same time, we couldn't have put the belt right on you the following month after right, losing yeah. the dog collar match. So <laughs> yeah, now you have this match. Yeah. With, you have this match with Heather, and I remember it feeling like a real changing of the guard for the company. Yeah, so um, I guess the two things to take away from it is one, uh, again, also like on my like giant Bernard like kick and everything, and. This was also early on in the, uh, the Bull Hurley gimmick. Like I came out, I remember I had like the hat and the glasses and the shirt. It was starting to come up. And, um, so there's two things. One, I gave Hatter the Baldo bomb, the, the double choke slam set out bomb. And I looked at my wife and I go, I love that move, but I hated doing that in that ring because it always made me feel like I blew up my asshole. Like, <laughs> I that move sucked giving. I don't know what it felt like taking. But then there was, like, another spot where uh Header, like, was doing something. He jumped over and I caught him. And, like, I had to deadlift him into the powerbomb position and gave him, like, this nasty-looking powerbomb. And I was like, I know that wasn't how it was supposed to go, but it was so gritty that it was pretty. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I'm like, man, that was just – like, that was awesome. Like, that really, like, encapsulated, like, what I always wanted my, like, image to be. Like, Header is just, like, throwing himself at me. I'm like, no, fuck you. Come here. Now I'm going to put you through the ring. Like, I, I really love that powerbomb spot. But, you know, like I said, when we went to Musick, ring was in the middle. There was, like, a row of chairs around, like, three side, maybe, like, two or three rows. They weren't always filled. 
little lackluster entrance or whatever, but this is where things start picking up. And uh, like I said, by the end of the run, collectively as a company, thanks to people like the Cashmasters and um, uh, the, the, the Dark Phoenix shit and all that stuff, like collectively we built that into something great. But I really feel it started here because I feel my title reign in the New York car really helped build the music territory. Like it was the start of the foundation of what we were doing because I was doing this. Freddie was wrestling um, Mark Maverick for the adrenaline title. Kevin was just becoming like that really great heel that eventually become champion. Like there's a, a dick was super over. He was just starting, you know, to do like AIW and AAW. So he was like brought a lot of cred and he was super over. Like, I feel if you watch my match with Header and looked at the crowd and then you go to the end where I dropped it to Hardcore Holly, like you would see how much things have changed. And one of the things I've always been proud of in my career is this title run and what we were able to do with me as champion and, and like investing the crowd into it. And it worked out really well. We, we built a, a solid fan base. And we'll continue to explore that fan base when we come back from a break here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. I'm Jason. And I'm David. And we're the hosts of the Non-Nurse Sports Podcast, where the home of sports talk for everyone. Join us bi-weekly as we talk about the happenings in sports. You can find the Non-Nurse Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Hi, this is Anthony from the IWEP Network. We're a collection of weekly podcasts that vary in all different types of topics. We can be found on all social media, as well as any podcast or music app that you may use, as well as YouTube. We go live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch every Friday and Sunday. Here's a lineup of our five shows that you may be interested in. Interviews with everyday people. Interviews and conversations on a positive note and just getting to know each other. Everyone has a story. Bangin' Beers podcast, beer reviews, hanging out with some friends, and much more. Truth behind illusion. Are you into ghosts, monsters, conspiracy theories, and more? Then this show will be for you. Tornado Tag Podcast. Pro wrestling stories, news, and show reviews. We love supporting indie wrestling, so come check us out. Not Cool in High School Podcast. A pop culture show where we cover movies, television, comic books, and video games. A weekly topic. So come hang out with us. We would love to hear from you. Follow us on all social media, and we'll see you soon. Back on By the Numbers, our final segment with Brute Van Slyke here this week. Episode 12 of the show. Well, before I went to break, Brute, you just won the GSW title from Andy Hedder, and now you're here to complete the trilogy with Kevin Graham. Uh, July 19th, 2014, in Music, match 788. Uh, so this one, I, uh, by this point, like I'm full-blown Bull Hurley. Uh, got the beard, got the red shirt, got the weight belt, got the hat, got the music. Everything's great. Uh, so now, because of the Bull Hurley gimmick, I'm now watching a lot of Scott Norton. And uh, so we did our match. I remember, like, going really well and Kevin, like, wanting uh, – we came up with this idea with a spot where, like, I'd, like, injure Kevin's shoulder. Uh, that was the story of the match was, like, me wanting to be, like, the heel and this being my friend. Uh, like I said, we're never on the same page. If he's a face, I'm a heel. If I'm a heel, he's a face. So, like, you know, he's the face of the situation. And even though he's my friend, I'm going to destroy his shoulder. So we kind of do the spot on the outside, a do-si-do. I pick up Kevin, throw him shoulder first into the post. 
and then I start working over it. I wish I could remember the finish because I know the end was I gave him the Scott Norton flashback, and I so I dropped his shoulder on my knee. I never did that move before, so I gave it to him. I'm now in the kneeling position with Kevin's shoulder on my knee, and instead of following through and putting him down, I just drop him and let him go, and he falls smack dab on the top of his head. <laughs> and I felt bad. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, yeah, the match was really good, and it really helped, like, uh, cement me trying to be that um, that mean, ruthless, you know, coming in for a second sucks heel um, and being like the African monster. Because what I always talked to, like, Brad and John about, I was like, you know, what my role in GSW is, you built me up as the monster heel. You give me the baby you want to get over. He had turned him into the sting, you know, and then we go from there. So this was like starting to really make it so I was that super big monster. Because if I'm going to do this to my best friend, my tag team partner, what am I going to do to somebody I don't like? And you would hold the title through the spring of next year. The following year, I should say, because we're not talking like real time. So like the spring (laughs) of the following year. But along the way, you had some other matches there as well. One of them, not at GSW, though, to definitely talk about quickly. We are in Orwinsburg, Pennsylvania for WXWC4, August 2nd, 2014, in his hometown or his local area, in match 793, you are wrestling Snitsky. So one of the wildest things about WXW is you never knew what the fuck was going on. Sometimes that was a, a, a problem. Sometimes that led to bad things, but sometimes you are pleasantly surprised. Um, one of those times being I showed up, didn't know what the hell I was doing, and they're like, oh, by the way, uh, you're wrestling Dan Moff tonight. And I was like, what? Wow. And the other time is, oh, by the way, like you're wrestling Stisky tonight. And I was like, what? Yeah, it was just, was it, was it the, it had, it had to have been the main event. Was it the main event? It was near the top of the show. I, I think, um, wasn't this also when uh, X-Pac and Homicide were in? Or was this a different time? I remember Sunny being there. Hom- Homicide, I think, might have been there, too. But I remember Sunny because she was in the locker room being Sunny. But I remember there's uh, – so I wrestled Snitsky. Uh, he had his weird baby doll thing that was like, you know, freaking uh, – like if uh, – Sid from Toy Story got a hold of it. I remember us brawling around and having some fun. We're up in the bleachers. Um, I remember pissing somebody off in the stands because, uh, like, I threw Snitsky at them and, like, hit their soda or something. Did it? Was this the one where Snitsky had, like, some – had, like, a 10-minute entrance or something? Like, he came out on a motorcycle or some shit? I, it sounds familiar. Snitsky's had yeah. a lot of different yeah. entrances in WXW. Like, the one Sports Fest, I'll always remember. He and Alpha Jr. and DJ Hyde had a three-way where Gene was on the mic for 10 minutes before the match and introduced his neighbors to the crowd and, like, (laughs) all sorts of stuff. So you never knew what you were getting with Gene. No, because there was – yeah, because I'm pretty sure he did, like, this. And, I mean, I was just, like, you know, this it's, like, this man's, like, all entrance, like, his grand shit. Because there was, like, another one at WXW he came out like, with a bunch of medieval knights 
because he was trying to do some like medieval MMA combat show thing that he was filming for and stuff like that. I my favorite Gene Snitsky story though is the uh uh the one benefit show we did in some school. I can't, I think it was a can one of their cancer benefits and Gene Snitsky cuts a promo. Uh he comes in the back. He gets taken to the hospital because he thinks he's having a heart attack. And he comes back, and he's like, all right, I'm going to wrestle the main event. Save a, one large cheese pizza for me. He goes out <laughs> and wrestles. It comes back and starts eating an entire large cheese pizza. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no. I, <laughs> I, remember, I remember that Snitsky match because I went out to the right, and he's wrestling uh, L.A. Smooth. Or, yes. Yep. Um, yeah. And like we didn't know that Gene was there, yep. so we we went out there with, with like a backup plan. Yep. Next thing you know, like Gene walks in through the front door, like <laughs> as his music's playing, we're like, "What is going on?" Yep. He was like, "Brother, I think I'm having a heart attack." And then we're like, "Okay, well, Stitsky's out." He's like, "All right, I'm back. I'm going to do the match. Save me a pizza." And then he just sits down. Eats a large pizza while everyone's like, "Are you okay?" Yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, "That's that's baller, man. That's hardcore." I, I think it was that he had had like too many energy drinks or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, he had like some mild, like weird, like heart heart palpitation or something. They had to like calm his ass down before he had a heart attack. So obviously, he's gonna go wrestle a main event match and then eat an entire large cheese pizza by himself. <laughs> Never a dull moment when you're working with Snitsky. Nope, nope. And like I told you, WXW is a hell of a ride. Yes, it was. And we have one more WXW match to get to. But before that, you are defending the GSW title against Matt Turner at the Music Youth Center, November 22nd, 2014, match 803. Uh, this is during the Turkey Bowl show. The main thing I remember of this match, like leading up to it, and the match of like, not to undersell it, but like, I just, it, it started off being like business as usual. This is my next story. This is the next thing. But like, this match ended up turning into like something bigger. Uh, Turner started really playing up the Ring of Honor CM Punk thing. And I started like, you know, making like these personal promos because, you know, Punk had like quit WWE and, you know, I was always a big punk mark, and so I was, like, cutting promos, like, you know, I'm going to beat your ass and make you quit like your your, your freaking idol did and all this shit. And then we get to the show, and, like, it's I remember being a huge crowd because, like, his whole family was there. Like, they were there to see him win the title. They were like, our boy's going to win. Like, there's no way he's losing. And then he lost, and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> and I remember, like, you know, I, like I said, you know, I had that one match where – he, like, gives me the running CM Punk knee, and he elbows me in the nipple or whatever, but, like, you know, he was he was on point in this match, and I remember, like, thinking, like, this this thing where I was like, this is just the next story or whatever just turned into, like, it felt like one of the bigger deals on my title reign. It was a big match feel event. The crowd was huge and hot, and it was yet another defining moment in my career because I just destroyed your hometown boy, your your hero, like, he's sitting here, you know, sitting Indian style in the ring like Sam Punk, talking about Ring of Honor, and I'm talking about Killer Kowalski and 
you know, I'm like, I'm going to make you a bitch like punk. And he's like, I have to overcome. And, you know, in wrestling, it's not always a, a happy ending. And, you know, that's what happened here. And it was just, I remember feeling like a really like big night that night. And it was really awesome. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I remember because we were building the story of both Diamond City Kings had singles title matches. Where uh, Vaughn yes. was challenging for the adrenaline title and he won. And then Turner was challenging you for the heavyweight title and he did not win, but you guys did such a good job building it up. And Vaughn had won the match before that. So yes. it, it, it worked out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, everything played out really well. Like I said, you know, he's got his whole family there, his friends there. It's just one of those things where, you know, any casual wrestling fans like, well, obviously he's going over and they're going to, all pile on the ring and they're going to celebrate and everyone's going to be happy. And then here comes Brute and just like pisses on your parade and everyone's like, wait, what? And it was just like a really like it was, it was like an emotional night, but like not the good guys, you know? Uh, so yeah, it was, that was a great one. Another great one is two weeks later. And this is the final WXW match in the book here. Uh, where you team with Bo Nakoda and Dick Justice. You're now teaming with Dick. Kevin's not really going down there too much anymore, and Dick's making the drive. So you're now teaming with Dick way more often. And you take on the Punk Rock All-Stars and Nui Tafiga match 806 on December 6, 2014. So this was a big turning point in my career because, like I said early on, like I was in charge of Mike and Kevin's bookings because he was busy with, like, school and shit. This is when Kevin's, like, finishing up school and he's he's graduating. And he's looking into, like, jobs and adult stuff. And for me, I was still, you know, just working at Walmart. I was living, at first I was living on my own in a studio. Uh, Eventually I ended up meeting uh, my wife now. You know, we're living together. So I was still, like, living that I'm a pro wrestler life, willing to make sacrifices and shit. And Kevin's like, all right, I need to start being serious more. So Kevin came to me one day. He's like, look, man, he's like, I'm not really going to start taking more extra bookings. Like I'm going to do 2CW. I'm going to do GSW and I might do like WXW because he was kind of getting frustrated with it. So Kevin was cutting back on bookings and I was trying to get more. So I went to Josh and 2CW and I was like, look, like I'm not shitting him, Kevin. I understand where he's coming from, but Kevin wants to cut back. I want to keep going. Like, so can you kind of like, split me and Kevin up enough where I can get more singles. And then when you need to, we can tag together just so I can get the exposure and not always like officially a tag team with Kevin. Uh, so that's kind of what was going on here is Kevin was pulling away from WXW and I was still going because we still had the New York car with me, Freddie, Ted is now coming in roughing and Dick. So that Snitsky show I was talking about with the heart attack and the pizza uh, Dick and I were on that show and we're, oh, we wrestled South Philly's finest. And it was just kind of like a thrown together match. Like, okay, we got this guy, this guy put these together. It wasn't much thought. It was just a charity event. Like, you know, do what you got to do. But, uh, South Philly kind of pissed us off that night. Uh, they showed up late where the Samu came in, goes, they're off the show. You and Dick are doing a singles. So we do this stuff for the singles. They show up right before Bell. Samu was like, fine, they're here. You guys do the tag team match. So we're like, shit, okay, we got to get this going. South Philly goes, we'll talk later. We're going to go sell merch. 
And I'm like, fuck your merch. We need to get over this. They went out. Dick and I looked at each other. We're like, fuck it. We'll call the match. We'll tell them what they're doing. They came back. We told them what they were doing. They tried changing shit. They forgot shit. And halfway through the match, me and Dick went, fuck it. We're beating the shit out of them. So we just went out there. We just did shit with them. And after South Philly's like, wow, guys, that was fucking nuts. They loved it. So they ended up having a match everyone was happy with. And the office saw it and it was just like, we really liked what we saw with you. It was supposed to be just a throwaway match, but we think we got something with you. So we're going to put you guys together. And me and Dick are like, fucking awesome, man. Miracle Violence Connection, here we go. And we're talking, we're going over, like, what we're going to wear, what we're going to do, what we're going to say, how we're going to wrestle, our entrance music. We wanted to call ourselves the long, uh, strong arm of the law, but they went with the less clever brute justice tag team name. <laughs> and I'll, <laughs> I'll never remember, I'll never forget this. I told Dick, I was like, oh, yeah, we should, like, you know, fucking... Because, like, strong arm of the law would be, like, really great. He goes, yeah, we should tell them that before they make us do something stupid, like, like, brute justice. I'm like, yeah, we should tell them. So RC comes over. He goes, hey, guys, so we're going to put you together as a tag team. And with a big shit-eating grin on his face, he goes, guess what we're going to call you? We're going to call you brute justice. And Dick and I looked at each other. We're like, <laughs> fuck, we're too late. <laughs> so, um, also kind of a side note that's funny is... This tag team was actually born years before in Grant's Martial Arts because we're on a show together. Um, at the time, I was wearing the black and silver, uh, which I would, you know, still randomly do and for my singles and stuff. And Dick, underneath his top gear, wore a black and silver singlet. So he was changing, and he was just on the singlet. So we took a picture together in our matching gear, and we posted it, and we called ourselves Dick Punishment because I was Punisher Man's like. So we're like, oh, the tag team dick punishment is coming. So they put us together, and I watched I watched this match. And I don't know if you saw on Facebook, but, like, I was watching it. And Dick and I come up together. We got the Kiss music playing. We got our black and silver gimmicks on. We got our um, cut-off sleeve vests on. He's got a do-rag on. I got my trucker hat. We're both wearing aviator shades. We're throwing up the Texas Longhorns. We're yelling and grunting. We take our shit off one by one. We're doing arm stretches. We're making fists. We're waiting for Bo to come out. And there's smoke all over the place. There's lights going off. And I was like, dude, we look like we're about to go in the Kirken Hall and fuck some shit up for All Japan Wrestling. I was like, this is the most badass I've ever looked in my career. And, like, I, I took that video clip. I posted it on Facebook. And I was like, tell me right now. This team doesn't look like we're about to get over kicking ass on All Japan Wrestling. And I messaged Dick, and I was just like, I wish that we could have done more together as a tag team because Dick and I were just on the same page and had so much, like, shit we wanted to do. And we're doing, like, all these All Japan spots, and we're just mulling through them. And they're, we're just, like, just doing all this shit. And I'm like, this is amazing. Why didn't, like, they push us more? Why don't they do more with us? Because after this, it was over, you know? They didn't even use us anymore. And I was just like, me and Graham, first class, all that, obviously, huge deal. My one major tag partner, my hetero life mate, but me and Dick Justice, we 
we could have been like the freaking Central New York uh, hit squad, you know? I felt like if we could have done some really great stuff together. And instead, the WXW run comes to an end there. <clears throat> and yep. really, it comes to an end Every, for me, too. I only went like <laughs> one or two more times. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing too much anymore because I've got Avery now. <laughs> so I'm not going to be driving all over the place. Uh, for, 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 I don't want to say for nothing, but for nothing. Um, <laughs> and then a year goes by but between our matches together. And instead of teaming with Bo, now you're wrestling Bo at the Youth Center. Match 867 for GSW, December 11th, 2015. Um, I did watch this match too, and um, my wife was watching it, and um, she was talking about. She goes, "You know, I never could get a, a solid read on Bo." I was like, "Yeah, Bo's a weird guy. <laughs> um, he's a good guy. He's just weird. Uh, he has a smartphone with no internet. Uh, he's a pro wrestler with no social media, and we're just like, how do you get bookings?" He's just like, eh, "If they want me, they'll find me," and that always blew our minds. And I was like, oh, it's, <laughs> okay. So I was watching the match, and then on commentary, Brad mentions, he's like, Brute will tell you that the last time these two wrestled, that he wasn't at 100%, that he had the flu. And I was like, oh, my God, that's right. Now, I knew both from WXW and GSW, and I really liked him, and he's a really old-school, like, wrestler right up my alley. So I always wanted to work him. And finally, they booked me against him. And I was sick as shit. And I was telling my wife about this. I was like, I remember. I go, <laughs> Carrie's like, I told you not to go. She was like, you should sit this one out. And I was like, no, I have to go. So I had like a fanny pack full of gimmicks, like all the fucking flu medicine, all the fucking shit I could take. And I wrestled Bo, and I was too weak to like pick him up. I couldn't like do like any lifting spots. And I was afraid that if I bumped wrong, I was going to shit my pants. <laughs> so when the match was over, I went to Brad and them. I was like, look, man, I'm sorry. This sucks. Like, what, you guys got to give me another match with them. And they're like, okay. So I can't remember how long it was in between, but this was finally my next match with them. And watching it, it was, you know, the kind of matches I like having. I still think my best match with them was the last match we had in Old Forge. Uh, for both titles. Uh, that was a really good match, but this one was still really good. Watching it, it like dawned on me. I, I was like, it's, I laughed. I go, it's funny. When I had the flu, I beat Bo, but when I'm here 100%, Bo beats me. So I thought that was funny. But what surprised <laughs> me was Bo beat me with the, the backcracker because <laughs> Kevin Graham at one point, uh, was thinking about like using that move. So he tried it out on me before a show. And I landed on him, and, like, I made, his, like, every bone in his back crack. So he's like, I'm never doing that move again. And, um, but Bo gave it to me, no problem. But uh, it was it was a good match. It was, um, because I was back from Japan, it was, it was, um, hooded dojo brute. It was probably right before I started doing the brute squad gimmick. Um, changed it, got my balls to the wall by accept theme song. I got my thumb taped up for the Asiatic Spike. Brad's putting over, you know, me and the great Buddha. Uh, we, we told the story. It was a back and forth. And then it was just, you know, duck the lariat, hit the ropes, backcracker. It was, it was a good match. I enjoy working with Bo. 
Bo, and we've talked about it many times on this show with many of the of the past guests here. Uh, one of the best dudes. Uh, I still talk to him every once in a while. He texted me the other night when the Bruins and Flyers are playing the outdoor hockey game. He's a big Flyers guy, and I'm a big Bruins guy. And it was also during a pay-per-view at the same time. He's like, so uh, what are you watching? I was like, the, the hockey game, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the Bruins destroyed the Flyers, as they should. And I was like, hey, you even still watching? He goes, yeah, I should turn this off. Because <laughs> the Bruins are one of like six to two. He's like, I should probably turn this off now. <laughs> so now for the first time, we get to work together in your home state of New York. We are in Binghamton at the American Legion. Just, uh, February 19th, 2016. I know I wrote 2015 on the list, but it's definitely 2016. You are a surprise team member. You and Kevin, uh, Kevin Graham, team with Joe Gacy against TJ Marconi, Anthony Gangone, and Sozio. Match 874. So do you know what was, uh, so special about this one? There were, I remember this being like really ridiculous and hard to follow for <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> um, so February 19th is when Kevin Graham and I had our very first ever pro wrestling match at the American Legion in Binghamton, New York. So oh. it was like a very big, like five year anniversary for us. It was like a really big special thing for us or six year. And, um, so two seven closed at the end of 2015. So excite. You know, because I started when Moose took over for 3DW, which was ECPW, till they realized, you know, threes is one better than two, and D is one better than C, so that makes 3DW better than 2CW, <laughs> and then Moose took over. So for the longest time, even though Moose was still running in the same building as 2CW, like, even though he was, like, allowed to, quote-unquote, allowed to do that, a lot of 2CW guys weren't allowed to work both places. Obviously, like Car and Cagewood or whatever, but, you know, all the two CW homegrown guys weren't allowed to because they didn't, Josh wanted to protect us from being in that building and what would happen or when it happened or whatnot. So even though Moose is like, hey, hey, buddy, uh, when, uh, when are you and Graham going to come and work for Excite, buddy? And, um, you know, it's, <laughs> my wife hates it when I do my Johnny Moose impression. She hates it. Um, cause you also gotta do like the eyeball thing and the head wave. You're like, hey buddy. Hey buddy. Uh, so, uh. I, I, I'm just picturing the look she's giving you right now. She's in the room with you. No, she literally just opened the door to bust in the room to give me that look. <laughs> <laughs> she went out of her way to do it. So, <laughs> Moose would always be like, hey buddy. Uh, so, uh, when are you and Kevin Graham gonna come and work for me, buddy? And, um, I still remember he did this once in Watertown. Well, he didn't do it. In Watertown, Kevin and I were standing there, and Brody Lee comes up, and he grabs me and Kevin on the shoulder and stands between us. He goes, hey, Moose, when are you going to book my friends uh, Pun and Graham here? And Moose like, I want it, buddy, but, you know, I'm not allowed to. And Brody looks at us. He goes, why don't you guys work for him? We're like, we're not allowed to. Why? Uh, you know, 2CW, Josh says we can't work there. He goes, fuck that. Did you just sign a contract with him? I was like, no. He goes, I'm fucking work for whoever you want. I was like, okay, Brody. But obviously <laughs> we never did that because once Brody walks away, then I'm back to being afraid of Josh. So, um, 2CW has its final show in December, uh, in Syracuse. You know, the show's over. Um, um, me and Moose and them, you know, 
we, we talk and he's like, all right, well now it's time for you guys to come work for me. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, um, I think there might've been one show in between. I can't remember, but he was telling us that, you know, February is when we're going to do it. And he's like, I know you guys aren't tagging, but can I bring you guys in as a tag team? I'm like, that's fine. And he's like, cause okay. Cause Casey's got like this idea. So he told us the idea. I'm like, that's fine. That's great. We're all for it. And I was really excited because there's been a lot of times in my career where like, I'm like a quote unquote mystery surprise. And I, oh, I'm always afraid I'm not going to get like that surprise reaction, you know, like, Oh, the mystery opponent is brute man's like, and fucking crickets. Like I'm always afraid of that, but I'm like, shit, man, if me and grammar are surprised and fucking Binghamton at the American Legion, I was like, we got this. And sure as shit, like I remember, uh, being in the locker room, uh, Gacy's cutting his promo. 96 Quiet Bitter Being starts playing by CKY, and I remember watching the video and afterwards and just feeling it, but, like, me and Graham came out, and the place went fucking cuckoo bananas. Like, it was one of the best pops I've ever gotten. I remember coming out, we got our Pun and Graham custom chant along to our theme song. Uh, When I watched the video, I distinctively remember... This one kid, like, losing his mind, and he starts swaying back and forth like we're the public enemy, and he's just <laughs> singing along with the song. He's fist bumping. He's just, like, losing his mind. And we get in. Place is going nuts. There's two CW regulars who are now like, okay, well, I guess we have to go to Excite now. Uh, we get in the ring, and the Pun and Graham uh, chants start going to my – chant i stole from moose so they start chanting brute and i was like holy fuck man like people care about me this is nuts and um so the match is okay but like that that moment that entrance that crowd reaction on the anniversary in the same building oh chef kisses all around i remember being out there and like all the two cw guys are starting to filter in like we did the surprise with Ando that night where he came out and he got the big reaction. And I think everyone in the building fan wise had the feeling that this was going to start to be the beginning of all the two CW guys coming in. And when you and Kevin came out, I just remember the place going nuts. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I remember that being like a concern, even with Moose was like, he's like, you know, everyone's going to say that. And like, there's guys I want to use, but like, I can't bring everybody in and which is understandable. Then, the people you did want to bring in, he had to space them out and, you know, he was real careful about all that. And, but you know, that the, it just, everything aligned with us. We came in. Um, I do remember like, you know, um, there was talk that night of the match ending and me like turning on Kevin when we lost and they wanted me to lay him out or whatever, but I didn't want to because, um, I think at that point we were like both faces of, GSW, I don't know, I remember just being like, GSW is down the road, like, I don't want us to get along there, but feud up in Binghamton, I was like, I didn't want to do that, so I was like, no, I really, I go, I have a rule in wrestling where I won't, I will never feud with Kevin, like a blood feud, because we're always together, so I don't want to feud with him in one city, and then win the tag titles with him in another city, you know, (laughs) so... Throughout my career, I never would have, like, a blood feud with Kevin. I'd have a competitive feud like we did with GSW. That's fine because we'd still love each other. But I'll never go one place and cut a promo where 
I fucking hate you. I'm going to kill you. And then the next day I'll be like, hey, come to this show in this place. I watched me and my buddy Kevin Graham uh, defend the tag team titles. You know, I didn't want to do that. So I remember like being like, I respectively decline your idea for a feud. You know, let's just have this match and leave it at that. And it worked. Uh, and I do remember for me that match being very all over the place from a referee oh, yes. perspective. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, but we got there. <laughs> we we got to the end. Um, I got I got my pop. That's all I cared about. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then we move on, and we're back in music. And this was a strike while the iron was hot kind of thing here too. Um, March twelfth, twenty sixteen, match eight eighty two. You are with Bulgy. Oh yeah, that was that was ringing nuts. Um, so I remember being at work and I saw like GSW like announce it, and like I messaged him. I was like, look guys, I don't want to be that guy, but I was like, I need this match. Like you know, <laughs> can we can we talk about me getting this match? And I don't remember if it was a foregone conclusion, but I remember relatively quick they're like, yeah, it's definitely you versus Bull. Because this is like, you know, so fresh back from Japan. I'm trying to use all this momentum. momentum, And Bull, like, just got released. It was supposed to be his first match, but I think he wrestled, like, the night before, the week before, eventually. So I was a second match back. And um, I was at a PPW show in between the announcement and me wrestling Bull, and Brad was there. So we're talking about it, and he just goes, you know, the only thing is, is like, you know, what do we do for the match? I was like, look, man, I'm just happy to have the match and I'm not going to like politic to like go over on them or whatever. I go, you guys just do what's best for the company. And he laughs. He goes, well, obviously the best thing for the company is like you to go over. And I'm like, look, man, I go that obviously like that's the case, but I go, if you can think of any situation where like, if you want Bull to go over and try to bring him back, I go, if he needs to go over, that's fine. But I was like, you guys do what's best for the company. And they decided me going over what was best for the company. And um I remember I was actually kind of nervous going in because Bull James had me blocked on Twitter. And I don't know what I did to get blocked. <laughs> uh but so I thought maybe he already hated me. So he shows up, he's um sitting at his table uh to do his eight by tens. And I was like, well, I should probably go and introduce myself and all that stuff to him now, now that, it, you know, he's not doing a seminar anymore. So I went up and I shook his hand and talked to him and he goes, yeah. He was like, yeah, uh, my buddy Dick like told me about you and, you know, he put you over and said that it's fine and you're really good. And I was like, oh, well, thank God. So I got the, I got the dick rub. So, uh, you know how the dick rub goes. So I was good to go with bull. <laughs> And so we're in the back and we're, you know, talking about all the stuff and he was asking what my finishers were and I was telling him about the Lariat and I was starting doing the spike. So he goes, Oh, let's go with the spike. And when I was doing the Asiatic spike, no matter who I worked, I always got the same question from every single opponent. Can you guess what that question is? Do you want me to tap or pass out? Exactly. Fucking million dollar prize. There, during line, everybody always asks me that. Now, for double or nothing, I always say, man, it's up to you. What do you feel like doing? Can you guess what everybody chooses? They choose to pass out. Oh, man, you are so good at this game. $10 million. So, 
uh, Bull asks, do you want me to pass out or tap out? I was like, man, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to do, man, it's all you. He's like, it's like, all right, you know, I'll feel it, see what happens. And we go out there and we have the match and motherfucker taps right out for me, no problem. I remember this. I was like, wait, 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 what? Okay, ring the bell. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, no problem tapping out for me. And, you know, I was doing the Brew Squad gimmick, so Mike and Jake were out there. So they got to get involved, and they, you know, they helped to keep Bull, like, strong and protected because I had my Brute Squad. And uh, we did a thing where, like, we are exchanging lariats. Uh, he was going to give me the uh, whoopee cushion, but then he kind of tested the ropes, and he wasn't uh, too comfortable with it. And so the match, the match went well. I liked it. He liked it. He gave me some great tips on it. And we always talked like, you know, we wanted to do again, wanted to do it again. And we, uh, talked about him coming back and, uh, me returning the favors so we can do like a best of three. And it never, unfortunately never happened. And I remember I was doing a show in New York City, like a year or two later and Bull was there and he was coming up to me. He was talking to me. He goes, dude, when the fuck is Brad bringing me back? Like, tell him to stop no selling me. He's like, <laughs> I want to come back. He, like, he really liked GSW. He liked the way he was running. He liked the fans and stuff. And, you know, he's like, it's not a long trip for me. He's like, it's a nice place to go. He's like, tell him I want to come back. I'll, he's like, I'll work you. I'll work this guy. I'll put this guy over. And I was like, I'll tell him. But it never happened. As a one-off, it was really great, though. It so... was. And selfishly, I did want to do a best of three. But for what it was, it was great. You know, he he, he did good for me. He got he got you know, good attendance, and it was help. I'm pretty sure there were some news outlets that picked it up. Cause like I said, it was his, you know, second match back and everything. So it was great. Absolutely. And then from there, somewhere on the way here, you win the Adrenaline title. Yes. Though I, I don't think you have done it yet here. Um, but you're challenging for the heavyweight title in a 20-minute, Whoever has the last pinfall at the end is the winner match. <laughs> for for yes. lack of lack of a better way to describe it, Kevin is the GSW champion now, defending against you, Mike Vaughn, and Sean Silence in match nine ten, August thirteenth, twenty sixteen. Uh, so the few things about this is one, um, we're specifically told uh, Vaughn's not allowed to uh, get any pinfalls in because that would take away from him winning the actual title. And that stems back to <laughs> uh, when we did that Global Force show uh, at the Armory, uh, I was with Kevin at the merch table, and I was talking to some, some fan. Um, oh, I don't know his name, man. We always called him John Cena. You know the kid. Always I, I know who you mean, yeah. Yes. So he's listing off all of the GSW stats to me and Kevin. And then, like, he brought up an interesting fact about how there's never been, like, a, a Grand Slam champion. Because he's, like, because Kevin was, just had to win. Me and Kevin, is, uh, Kevin had to win the tag titles. And if Kevin won the tag titles, he'd be a Grand Slam champion. And he goes, oh, well, he kind of goes, oh, maybe I'll win them with Brute. And then he goes, yeah. And then Brute just has to win the Adrenaline title. He'll be a Grand Slam champion. And I was like, oh, shit. I want to be the first Grand Slam wrestling Grand Slam champion. So I went to Brad. I go, Brad. I want to be the first Grand Slam wrestling Grand Slam champion. Or Brad goes, oh, that'd be cool. It's like, yeah, I could call myself the Grand Slam Grand Slammer and shit. I just wanted to say Grand Slam a bunch of times. <laughs> so I was like, 
I was like, yeah, like, like Kevin's the heavyweight champion. I'll win the adrenaline title, and then we'll win the tag titles. And then Kevin and Graham and I will both become Grand Slam champions together. It's like the hardcore Holly thing, like, why don't you put the belt on me and I'll fucking beat everybody. So <laughs> I said that to him kind of as like a half joke, half, man, I would love to be the Grand Slam champion. Little did I know he was going to take that factoid and go sh- straight to Vaughn with it. And like, we're going to make Vaughn the first Grand Slam champion. And I was like, fuck you, that was my idea. So <laughs> because at 50, that was going to be the crowning moment of winning the title and being the first Grand Slam champion, he was not allowed to win the title during this match. However, I was, and because each title change counts as a title change, I became the first ever two-time GSW heavyweight champion. So That's right. I got that. I got that. Um, so I remember that match being okay. Well, not okay. It was good. I liked the match. Um, it was fun doing that wrinkle. Like, I never had a match like that where you had to, like, do that kind of stuff. So that was fun, and that was new. Um, and then I still think, as much as I love my title ring, as proud as I am for what I did, I will still, you know, die on the hill that Kevin Graham is the greatest DSW champion ever. Like, that, that man did more for that belt. And for the company as that classic, nasty heel. And that was some of his best promo work, some of his best matches. And I still think like he was the champion. And I even went as far as to tell Brad and Johnny, I was like, I don't think you should take the belt off of him right now. I think he's too hot. I think if he, if he screws over Vaughn or everyone thinks he's going to win it, I think that'll mean more when you put it on him later. But Brad was gung-ho about it, and he did it. And he felt it was best for the company. And, you know, that's that's fine. I just really thought that, like, you could get more mileage out of that mean, nasty, like, territory heel Kevin Graham. But uh, other than that, it was great. And then because of that, that from that match spawned my adrenaline title situation, which I don't know if we'll be able to get to because that was filled with a whole bunch of shit. And then Vaughn's win with the uh, heavyweight title. Well, the next time I'm in the ring with you <laughs> is not for a while. Um, and it is now at the GSW Arena. And we are in War Games with a whole bunch of people, most of them we can mention. It <laughs> is <laughs> May 13th, 2017, match 949. So I was super pumped about this one, um, and uh, so I was adrenaline champion at the time. I can't remember how long. Uh, so I just won. I won that. So like all the titles are there, and I'm pretty sure. I don't know if the titles were on the line. They were. What not? They were okay. Because I, I was gonna say I remember our team at the end having like all the belts, and uh, I didn't know what was gonna go on because there was talk about having two rings. I can't remember where they're trying to get the second ring from. But they're like, oh, we know somebody who's got, like, two cages, and we're pretty sure we can construct, like, the actual war games. I'm like, that'd be so awesome. Shit fell through. They weren't able to get the second ring. So they're like, fuck it, we're going to build our own. And then, like, Johnny from somewhere was, like, went from I'm going to build a steel cage to I'm going to build the GSW version of Cage of Death. So this thing is, like, made out of wood with the mesh in the middle. 
it's on the floor, you know, around like the barricades of this little room there. And I remember Johnny sending me pictures. He's like, oh, look how it's coming. Yeah, that's really cool. He was like, yeah, I have some barbed wire laying over there. I think I'm going to use it. I was like, wait, what? Like, yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to throw some barbed wire in this thing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so <coughs> um, that night was the very first night that I debuted my uh, Bam Bam Bigelow Orange and Blue Oneida Flamed uh, Butcher Singlet. And I just got it, and I was contemplating. I'm like, man, should I wear this in a steel cage match with weapons, or should I wait? And I'm like, well, I don't think I'm wrestling in for another week or two. I really want to wear this. Fuck it, I'm wearing it. So I stood up in the locker room. I want attention, everybody, in War Games. I am wearing a new singlet. If you rip it on me, I will rip your fucking head off. So nobody did that. So uh at this point, I do remember that Brad pretty much started booking me as the GSW Taz, uh, where... Shit would go down, my music would play, I'd come out, big pop and clear house. Like, we did that a couple of times, where, like, I was the the saving grace of who could stop, like, Kevin Graham and his, like, coalition. And um I can't remember if I was the last one out, but, no. I think you I were. Oh, I was? Okay. So I came out last, and I remember, like, wanting to ask the phone with it, so I dressed up, like, as Cactus Jack coming to the ring with the shirt and the, the flannel and the bandana and shit. And uh got the ring, and I, it was surprising. I didn't interact with Kevin very much. Uh I beat up Trajan a lot, which was fun. And I remember that, like, we have, like, two or three tables. I was like, I called dibs because my whole career I've wanted to T-bone somebody through a table propped up in the corner. And Trajan goes, I'll take it. And I'm like, sold. So that was, like, the one spot I wanted to do. We did the gimmick. I laid the table in the corner, Taz style, and I grabbed Trajan, and I gave him a T-bone through it, and it, it was, like, one of the coolest things ever. I really don't remember what the finish was. I remember, like, the barbed wire there, and I never went near it, at least not in this match. I went near it later and almost broke the flea market on the other side. I remember a lot of plunder and getting hit over the head with things, like cookie sheets and stuff, but... um other than that, yeah, it was just really cool, like, being in that cage of that environment, and it's too bad, like, it couldn't have turned into an annual thing. Yeah, that was, I remember the first time I got in that thing, and, like, it was before the show, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool, and then we did the gimmick where I got pulled over the guardrail by Kit Raff to become ref, because all the refs had been bumped, and I had been fired, and, uh, ah, yes, yes, yes. It, it was, okay, Matt's rehired uh, to ref this match. And I remember I got in the cage, and I just looked around, and I'm like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> <laughs> cage of death season, brother. And it was really cool, and it was a lot of fun. At the end of, at the, end of the day, the good guys won, and all order was restored. Yeah, everyone was happy. Everything was good. And then you got to work for Jerry on two occasions. And we're going to talk about one in particular here being match 974. You were also at Break the Barrier on June 11th on 2017. But then you worked at IWTV Futures in Old Forge against Baron Black with the biggest heavyweight title belt I had ever seen in my life. Uh, so, best thing about both those matches were, uh, 
They're both supposed to be triple threat matches with an indie guy, and both times that person didn't show up. Uh, so the first time was Ricky Reyes. Yep. And then I can't remember the dude's name uh, the second time, but he was doing like AIW at the time. Uh, he's an MLW right now. He's like the MMA jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, his name escapes me right now. But he was supposed to be there, but I think there was like bad weather or traffic or something, so he couldn't make it. So both matches turned into singles. The first match I thought was uh, really cool because, one, if, I don't know, by now people should know because I talk about it a lot, but, like, early 2000s independent wrestling is, like, my favorite shit ever. Uh, CZW, XPW, ICW, USA Pro, Epic. Like, I love all that shit. New metal, gritty 2000s pro wrestling is my home away from home. So I was familiar with the original Break the Barrier. So I was like, oh, man, this is so awesome. And then when Jerry messaged me, you know, asking if I was available, like, I was like, this is fucking amazing. And um, I was the first match on the card. So I was like the first match for, you know, Powerbomb TV, what would be independent TV and everything. So that was really cool. And it was just, you know, this, uh like, really cool showcase. Now, at the time, it was Powerbomb TV. So I'll tell this quick story that kind of ties into something else. Uh, so before the match, um, before the show, I remember I was sitting at ringside and I was talking to Jerry. And I think this went about at the GSW show, actually. But, like, you know, the, he's got that huge banner on the wall on the entryway. And I'm looking at it, and Jerry's like, you know, I uh, can you guess, like, that logo? I go, well, it's definitely a Kevin Owens powerbomb. He goes, yep. He goes, you know who he's powerbombing? So I'm looking at it, and I go, huh, it's kind of hard to tell. He goes, people always try to guess, but they have a hard time with it. So I'm, like, dissecting the picture, and I go, the guy's wearing shoes. And eventually I go, is that Kevin Owens powerbombing John Cena? He's like, you're right. That's exactly what it is. So the day of the the the, the, the pay-per-view, he's like, you don't need the first thing, the first match, uh, the canvas has the Powerbomb TV logo on it. He goes, you know, the whole thing is like Powerbombs. I'm like, yeah. He goes, can you do something where you just Powerbomb the shit out of them and then you do one final Powerbomb right in the middle on the logo? I was like, yeah, I can do that for you. So I did that. I did what I called the murder Powerbomb party where I Powerbomb the dude, uh, roll him backwards, pick him back up, buckle bomb him, pull him out, do a spinning set out Powerbomb right on the logo. Big pop. Get a message after the show from the same guy who didn't like my Bam Bam Bigelow finish and told me that was the worst shit he's ever seen in his life. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, they asked me to do it. I was just making the promoter happy. But yeah, so I, you know, I killed, I killed the guy and had fun and that was that. And then the second match again, it was supposed to be like a, a triple threat guy didn't show up. So I'm wrestling the one, uh, the one dude there with his massive ass freaking title i remember asking him i was like dude what's up with that title he's like yeah people always ask about it but he goes you know the company decided like well if we're gonna get a heavyweight title must be one everyone talks about so they got that giant ass title we did the match the match was okay i remember i won by count out or disqualification or whatever it was and uh you know i picked up the belt and you know i agree i think it's stupid that when a wrestler wins like a title match by count out or DQ or something, 
they do that thing where he acts like he won the title, even though every wrestler knows he didn't win the title. <laughs> and then the referee's like, no, you won my count out, dummy. You don't win the title. So that's not what I was doing here. I pick up the belt, and I put it around my waist. And I was like, look how huge this thing is. <laughs> like, I wasn't trying to act like I won it. I was like, look how huge it is, but I make it look normal because I'm so effing big. Like, that's what I was doing with it. And then there's still a picture of that I have. And that uh, David guy who does, like, uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood and NWA and stuff, he posted a picture of the current champion who's this tiny dude with that belt. He goes, dude, he's like, this belt is the most obnoxious thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, what is the point of this belt? This is stupid. So I posted a picture of it. I go, I almost make it look normal. (laughs) He goes, not even close. I'm like, all right, I tried. (laughs) So from there, we've got two more matches before we, before we reach the end here for us. One is back in Old Forge. And I remember this night very well. December 9th, 2017, the final GSW show at the Old Forge Arena, match 988 with Action Ortiz. Last man standing. This one was, uh, I don't think this was the first one I started, but no, it was in November. So this is when, oh God, do I want to start shooting? So this was the birth of my gimmick that I came up with all on my own, didn't steal it from anybody. My fucking gimmick, the Messiah of old school, and I started it at the uh, night two of the Turkey Bowl, and this was like the culmination with my feud with Ortiz. Now, I brought in Derek as my manager, Father Derek. I was trying to save wrestling from leg slappers of vanilla midgets and all that, and uh, I have the good book. I have my gospel, all me. And for the record, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Messiah from XPW. Uh, he gave me his blessing to use the name, the hand gesture. He was so happy with it. And he said, you know, do this, use the move. He gave me tips and advice. I had the full blessing to be the next fucking Messiah. And um, so Ortiz was coming in. And the whole thing of it was, is I wanted Ortiz to join me because he was another big guy. I'm like, look, man, we got all these little shits like these, uh, like the Andy Headers, like the, uh, um, AJ Evers. I was like, these are what's wrong with wrestling. You and me, you know, we need to stick together and we need to save wrestling because we're what wrestlers are supposed to be. And then I kept on like giving them this ultimatum of either you're with me or you're against me. And it all it cultivated at, uh, the Turkey Bowl where I came out during his match. And, uh, got him disqualified and I like, uh, I gave him the chair. I'm like, either hit me now or like, you, you know, you're, you're done. And that's kind of what led to like the last man standing thing. I actually wanted a Texas death match because I always wanted to do one of those, but, uh, Brad didn't want to have the word death match in because of the commission. <laughs> so it was just a, uh, last man standing match. And, uh, that was my first match I had with Derek. Uh, that was the night I brought him in. Uh, cut the promo where he throws his lucha mask in the garbage. Uh, renounces lucha libre as phony wrestling embraces the real wrestling that I'm trying to, uh, embrace and, uh, spread the gospel of. And Russell Ortiz, uh, was Christmas themed. So we had one of the presents 
and we put a chain in there, and we did a spot where, like, Derek goes to give me the present, but he intercepts it, and he fucking, like, Superman punches in and pulls out the chain, and, you know, we're beating each other with chains and chairs and cookie sheets. Uh, we're fighting around. <laughs> I bip him. He falls into the War Games cage where the barbed wire is, falls through the barbed wire, goes through the curtain separating us from the flea market, and was like six inches away from knocking over a table of antique china. <laughs> and then uh the end of the match was I took the chain, I wrapped my arm up, did the King Kong lariat, and then uh beat him. Uh, I actually really liked that match, and uh, I actually ended up uh retiring soon after that as well. He did. And yes. I remember being very tired that night because I was the only ref. And I remember being actually very legitimately upset that Ben went through the barbed wire. I was like, <laughs> I was like what the fuck was that? Yeah, yeah, it was not planned. I didn't even know he did it. Like, I bipped him. I started walking away. I turned around, and I'm like, what is he doing down there? And then I saw it. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but that was not supposed to happen. I don't know if he decided upon himself to throw himself in the barbed wire. I don't know if he tripped. but. That was not me. <laughs> and I remember, like, I went into, like, actual, like, adult mode for a moment. I was, like, trying to help him get yep. out of the barbed wire. And you're yelling at me, don't help him, Cal. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, I know he's right. <laughs> well, I had to say it. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, like, he is correct. At the same time, I went into, like, real world, like, that's my friend Ben falling into barbed wire, yeah. and I should probably try to help him mode. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Brad leaves the commentary table to go check the flea market because we're we're already getting in trouble with them as it is. Oh, you can say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's like making sure we didn't break anything. <laughs> so we close the arena on a high note there, and we get to our last match together in the book. And this is a big one. And I can't believe we haven't worked with each other since. This is back in Binghamton, August 25th, 2018. We both make our Impact Wrestling pay-per-view debut on behalf of Excite. And you wrestle Sean Carr in match 10-14. Isn't it crazy how this whole journey started in, like, a New Jersey gymnasium in front of, like, five people where I almost break my ass. And then it ends with... An Impact Wrestling pay-per-view. <laughs> like, that's a hell of a journey. I mean, we've yes. been here for like two and a half hours, but like, that's quite the journey to go from there to here. Like, that's crazy. That's awesome. I'm, and unfortunately for any viewer who's been listening to me talk for this whole time, uh, this is quite the story itself. Uh, because, you know, it was announced because at the time, uh, Impact was, uh, changing like ownership and, all that stuff. So like one of the things they were doing was instead of like doing house shows or pay-per-views or whatnot, they do their TV tapings and then they would work with indies and put on like these really big shows. And some of them were like impact featuring or some were just impact. So excite got with impact. So impact is using like excites license and they're building and uh moose bought the lighting rigs. He got the new ring. I'm pretty sure he had like, you know, he had all the excitement on there. So it was the one and only Night of the Dummies. And right off the bat, when I saw it announced, like, I was like, I'm not going to hound a moose because I know he's going to have 
every dude coming out of the woodwork being like, hey, man, you got to get on that show. So I was like, I work for him. You go way back. I'm going to play it cool. So finally he messages me. I'm like, yes, I'm on the show. Hey, man, can you make some graphics for the Impact show? All right, that's still kind of cool. So I was the one who made, like, the Impact Wrestling things, but obviously you had to, like, follow a certain guideline. But at the same time, it was really cool watching Impact Wrestling tweeting graphics that I made. So I'm like, that's awesome. So, like, kind of what happened eventually was is when it got closer, Impact's like, okay, so here's the guys we're using. This is the guys, these are the people we're bringing in. These are who needs to get pushed, you know, locally and all that stuff. So Impact's like, send us a list of your wrestlers that you feel we could use that would be good enough to be, like, on the show and on the pay-per-view. So he sends them his list, goes through, and, you know, they pick uh, a, a, a few. And then finally, like, he tells me that Impact has picked me and Sean Carr, and they booked us against each other. And Carr and I thought this was, like, Amazing that Impact saw us and booked us against each other and wanted to see what we could do. Uh, so we thought that was really awesome. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, some people didn't feel that way. I remember uh, I was on the road. We were at Sheets. It was me, Sean Carr. I know Ted was there. God, I can't remember where we're going for it. I think we're going to New York City. Uh, but we're stopping at Sheets. We're eating. And he is getting bombarded by an individual who I guess allegedly helped barter this whole situation. And when the list was sent to impact of who to pick his boys didn't get picked for it. He got mad that they didn't get picked, but I did. So he felt that me versus Shankar versus me would be a boring match. And Shankar should work somebody else because he'd have a much better match with him than they would with me. And I was like, wow, Fuck you. And I called him out on it and I told him like, you know, I, you know, said I know what he said and everything. So he tried backtracking and I was like, you know, it is what it is. Eventually he got his boys in a dark match. And then at the show, I didn't match with car. He goes, Oh man, you know, that definitely wasn't boring. Ha 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 ha. I'm like, whatever, dude, piss off. So the other thing about it is, um, Moose like messages me. He goes, look, he goes, you know, this is the impact thing. We're doing this. He goes, you might want to tone back the Messiah gimmick with Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette's not really with the company. You know, you might want to just tone it down. I'm like, all right, I, I, I get that. And he goes, another thing, he's like, I don't know, like, if they want to use Derek or not. And I was like, fair enough. But, you know, I'm going to try. Uh, I was saying I want Derek there with me, especially seeing how we work so much. We work so well together. So we get there, and – um uh, who's charge? Uh, Sanjay Dutt was one. And then and Josh Matthews. Time? Josh Matthews. And, uh, so, so we're the whole night, like we're trying to like get information, but like that wasn't happening. Like she's like, there was no communication. Everyone's all over the place. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but it was real hard. And I was like, I was like, Derek, I'm going to get you on. I was like, if not, like just come to the ring. Like we'll just play dumb. You know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Uh, so finally, like, Carr and I were, call, were talking in the hallway. Sanjay walks by. Um, and I was like, hey, man, look, uh, here's the thing. So we tell him about, like, my manager. He asked, like, well, has he worked? I'm like, yes, he helped train me. He's worked forever. He's done, like, ECWA, WWE tryouts. He goes, okay, that's cool. You can use him. 
And then I got Derek on the, as my manager. And obviously I was married to Car and Cage or just Car in some fashion for years. Car and I could have a great match in our sleep. Never had a bad match with Sean Carr. And, uh, this night we just busted out the greatest hits. We got all of our shit in. We just went out there, balls to the wall and just had like a really great match. And I remember when it was over, like obviously the crowd was more for car, the like, please shine, sign car. They're all for car. You know, I got up, uh, you know, and then I was like, well, my car has a moment. So I went over, I shook his hand and I thanked him. I was like, this is a huge deal for me, man. I really appreciate you being a part of this and, you know, making me look good. Hopefully this leads to something with us, you know, and the car gave me a hug and then the whole crowd changed and it was now about both of us. And it was just like Sean Carr and I, when 2CW was around towards the end, when it closed, it was Carr and I were always the ones who were traveling and doing shit. Carr and I were so close to so many things. Ring of Honor, the Impact, CZW, like, we were close, man, especially with the Ring of Honor. And, you know, just to have this moment, like, in that building and, you know, be on there, it was, like, a very surreal but accomplishing moment. And it was a fun match. I remember being very proud to be a part of it with you guys because – you were two guys that, like, I was there from pretty much the beginning of your careers. Like you said, we started this show tonight in a gym in New Jersey in front of, like, nobody. And now we're finishing the show working in Impact Wrestling pay-per-view. So I, I was definitely honored to be a part of it as someone who had watched you both come up. And that's, you know... That's, that's, like I said, like, that's a crazy thing. We all, all three of us, all four of us, you know, we were all traveling around. We did all those drives. We did, you know, the crappy shows. We did the, the decent shows. We built the shows. We had good times, bad times, hard times. And like for us to have that moment, you know, in that ring on that platform, like that was, that was just like an accomplishment for everybody. And I'm glad that it was. You know, I was there with my mentor, Derek. I was there with the guy I was married to, Sean Carr. And I was with a referee who I could spend three hours talking to about all the matches we had together. Like, it wasn't just some shithead ref. It wasn't some random opponent. I wasn't stuck with some dude. It was all guys who I traveled with, I worked with, you know, slept in their houses with. Like, it was a lot of connection, and it just... It's, you know, that's what happens when you do the grind and do the drives and shit. Like, that's what you get. That's right. And hopefully at the end of the pandemic, we can add to this list. I'm really um, hoping. So for the time being, um, do you have anything that you'd like to plug? Plug? No, unfortunately, with how wrestling is, it's not much going on. I mean, you can find me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Brubens Like. Um, my new thing I'm doing during the pandemic, if you are a fan of Red Dead Redemption, you can watch me play Red Dead Online on Twitch at BruteVS. Please look me up and give me a follow, and we can play some Red Dead together. It's fun. I like shooting people in the West. <laughs> and, for a Twitch. and for a lot of the matches that you heard tonight, you can see them on independentwrestling.tv. Again, as a new subscriber, 
Uh, use the code word numbers and get five free days. Uh, two weeks from now, here on By the Numbers, we're going to have a conglomeration of people who have only wrecked a few of their matches. Um, I know that Adina Steele and Tommy Vex will both be on the show with probably one other person to be added in the meantime. And next week on the A-Show will be Jason D'Agostino from the Another Sports Podcast, which you can hear bi-weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we do have a lot of other really great shows here on CKCC Radio. You can check out the Stupid Sexy Podcast, the Nerd Table. Um, there's the Race Nerd Podcast. There's the Ranking Tracks Podcast. We have a lot of stuff going on, so make sure you check it out. Also, our podcast, Adjacent Friends, on the soon-to-be-named network with the Wednesday Night War podcast, Longbox Heroes, At Odds with Wrestling, Longbox After Dark, and the greatest show to ever go on permanent hiatus, Porch Talk. Um, also, the Final Wrestling Place, and the Final Wrestling Place guys also do Viewer's Choice on the North-South Connection. And also, uh, Irish Kev, or as Brute would know him, Coach Skull. Coach! And, uh, his buddy Rick do the hooligans of hops where they drink some beer and then they drink, they drink the beer. Um, this show has no social media, but we do piggyback off of the A show's Twitter, which is at the A show on CKCC, both on Twitter and Instagram. I am only on Instagram personally, uh, and it is private, so you probably will not find me or be added if you request me, so I apologize for that. <laughs> I Brute, would like to thank you for uh, taking this trip here with me tonight over seven years, eight years, maybe more of professional wrestling history that we had together. Oh man, thank you. It was great, you know, like like I said about that like uh, agricult match, like being able to look back on all this, like all the fun times, the good times, like all this stuff, like sometimes in wrestling you could think that it was worthless, didn't add up to anything, but to be reminded of all the shit you got to do, the people you got to meet, places you got to go, all that stuff in between the matches, like that's where everything becomes worth it. And it was real great, like talking about it and reliving all of it. I'm really glad I got to do it, so thank you. Of course. I'm glad we got to catch up and um I know Brute's also an Animal Crossing person, so come find <laughs> me on the island sometime. You can meet Rold. I know how much you love Rold. <laughs> I kicked his ass off. <laughs> we we now have Celia, Ketchup, and Hornsby. And oh, you have, ketchup, you have Ketchup? My wife is going to be jealous. Yep, we have ketchup. ketchup. Ketchup is pretty awesome. But this is not the Animal Crossing podcast. It's by the numbers, and it's been here today on CKCC Radio. Uh, for Brute Vance Lake, my name is Matt Gerlite, and I will see you next time. We are the glory boys. Wait.